Steel Toes and Scoreboards Podcast. Like us on Facebook and Twitter. Hey, Kurt, you want a hot take? Yeah. Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. He was a great two-strike hitter. Bill Lambeer would have made Shaq piss himself. You really think so? It's Shaq, dude. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Fun fact, Kurt. I love deep stats. Good research, bro. <laughs> Word association. Greatest of all time. Tell me how you really feel about pro sports. These contracts are out of control. Some people might not like that. Well, I'm going to pay some people off. <laughs> well, I mean, you sure will. You're the baseball guru, though, man. Shout out to my coach, Joe Rodmaker. Well, it is a digital world these days. Yeah, I'm an analog man. Tiger Woods. Mount Rushmore, bro. Coach Bobby Knight. Oh, you misses him, no doubt. Times have changed. But for the better of the worst. No, that's that's arguable. I'll tell you right now, though. I'm, uh, it's modern age. I'm not drug testing for pot anymore in any sport. It's a damn plant. <laughs> they fire and suspend these guys for weed? Ridiculous. I'm a fountain sure of bet. useless pro wrestling. Sure now. bet. Sure bet. <laughs> Sound like Adam Sweet. Sure bet. <laughs> he was a role model for millions. Rest in peace, Mamba. Team Ali. Team Tyson. You know what? Fuck it. You're baseball's new commissioner. I don't want that job. (laughs) Oh, horse shit. Come on, bro. Magic vs. Bird. What a rivalry. Okay, okay. Boost ratings. Ashes in the seat. You know what? Hot take. Tap the mic. He's the best I've ever seen. Nobody compares to him. Look at his legacy. Alright guys, another episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards coming to you now. Alright guys, Jared Atkins alongside Kirk Kelly. How you doing, Kirk? I'm doing good, Jared. How about you? Better than I was last time we were Absolutely, here. Absolutely, bro. Uh, so, uh, timestamp for posterity. It is uh, Saturday night, October 2nd. Where are you in October? I don't know. 2021. Uh, spooky month. A <laughs> little after 8 p.m. Yeah. We're going to talk about the Wolfman again. Uh, can't talk. Dogman. Don't talk about him. Make him show up. So how are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. We uh, we were supposed to record yesterday. Yeah. Well, and somebody, yeah. some asshole overslept. Yeah. And then tonight, we were supposed to have a bonus night, dude, two works, nights back to back. The guy works two jobs, so I, uh, I think, I mean, <laughs> the guy's got to rest sometime. Yeah. But I'm, I'm excited about tonight. Me too. Uh, in our intro, you, I clearly say Magic versus Bird, yeah. and you say what a rivalry. What a rivalry. And son, that's what's on tap tonight. Yep. Magic versus Bird. <sighs> Takes me way back. I have, looking at the laptop right now, 16,999 words, 29 pages. And for the first time ever, you have a copy of the notes. Yes. Because I printed them out. I got done early because we were actually supposed to do this one last week. Yep. Yeah. Uh, September's been a busy month. I had a... Yeah, you've had a bad month. I've had a bad month. Three funerals in the span of about a week. Yeah, grandma and mom always said things happen in three. Uh, yeah, and uh, I've seen that hold true. Yeah, so maybe you're out of the woods now. Maybe. I tell you what, though, it, it felt good to do the the bonus episode, which we were supposed to do the 
2006 Colts. Yeah, we'll get back And then, to you know, the gra- my grandpa passed away. So we'll get back to that. I've still got the notes saved, but this one I'm uh, I'm excited about. Yeah. Magic versus Bird. Uh, <laughs> it's an exciting topic. Yeah. Exciting topic. Uh, before we get into it, though, I had posted on our Steel Toes and Scoreboards Facebook page, and I wanted to bring it out here. We uh, actually had a pretty good week last week for the Steel Toes universe, the very small universe. Yes. <laughs> we picked up a couple of, I always say unofficial sponsors, but one of them is now an official sponsor. Yes. So, uh, give me a shout out. I, well, I'm going to start by, we're going to start by shouting out two companies back to back. The first one, oh, got to play our new back, our new, uh, I should call it our ad read music. There you go. By the way, I'm going to say this every episode. Whatever music you hear, all copyrights go to all the people that they go to. The writers, the publishers, producers, artists. We don't own anything. Yeah. Let's see if it works, Kurt. So the first thing I want to shout out is Black Rifle Coffee Company. Uh, I did a little talking to them earlier in this week. Check them out on Facebook. Check out their .com website. Everybody... Most everybody knows about Black Rifle Coffee Company. It's veteran-owned. Uh, they got a bunch of cool swag on their website for men and women to wear. Uh, they have all different kinds of coffee, some badass coffee, some great energy drinks. You can find them in uh, most of your convenience stores. You can find them at Walmart. You can find them at most of your grocery stores. Not all of them. Uh, they've got a badass energy drink. <laughs> it's loaded in sugar, which I don't need. But... Uh, <laughs> Definitely, seriously, I love veteran-owned companies yeah, and organizations, sure. so I always do my best to support them. So please check out Black Rifle Coffee Company. And uh, I'm going to stop this for just a second. And before we get into this, I'm going to shout out the first official sponsor. Yeah. Like, you know, we've, we've got some, you want to, we have some sponsors, sort of, you know, kind of some agreements. We love you, Nana, and we will plug you after a while. Yes. But, uh, <clears throat> Kurt, you know, I say this in all the confidence of my sexuality. You are a beautiful bearded bastard. <laughs> you have a beautiful beard. But, you know, yeah. if you ever think about beard maintenance, you should check out yeah. Beauty and the Beard Company. Hell yeah. On Facebook or on the dot com. It's right Beauty on. and the Beard Co. They're a company based in Marysville, Ohio. Got a bunch of swag, soaps, oil, beard kits, the works. And they have agreed to partner with us. And for our listeners and our friends and family, if you go to beautyinthebeardco.com and at checkout, you can punch in our discount code SteelToes15 and get a discount on your products. And that is no lie. That is no lie. I have... uh, I handle the business side of things on this, and Kurt will back me up. I bust my ass yes. out there trying to get people to kind of give us a little rub, yeah, or we right, get a little rub right. with them. And uh, it took a lot of work. And uh, the beauty, the guys over at Beauty and the Beard Co. They've uh, they've listened to the podcast. They like the podcast. That two idiots talking sports tits, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, check them out. Like yeah. I said, at checkout, you can get a discount Is code that- if you punch in Steel Toes fifteen. You think they can get this gray out of this beard? They probably could. They got a lot of great product, dude. I'm not kidding. I've looked. They've got all kinds of soaps and oils and beard kits and clothes and uh, beard is back. 
<laughs> the beard is back. Unless you're fat like me and can't grow one, so you just wear a goatee. But okay, I could have played the whole song for them. And I, did, I just love. I just did this tonight. Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. It's good. I'll have to play the original, the real song later. Okay, copyrights. But uh, so that's what's up, man. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So we're it's let's slowly taking off. But uh, anyways, you got anything else you want to add? Now, I'd say we get on with this skinny white boy from French Lake, Indiana. The Hick. And uh, Showtime. He's from uh, Michigan, right? Yes, he is. Okay, well, and this needs to be said. uh, It's going to start doing things a little different. At the end of this episode, I'm going to cite all of our sources. And I'm going to start beginning every episode by saying this. To the best of our knowledge, all facts reported in this episode are known to be true according to our sources and our research. If anything's found to be false or inaccurate, we apologize and we encourage you guys to yes, let us know. Yes, yes. <clears throat> so, all right, let me uh, take a drink here. Diet Mountain Dew, this is my crack. That fucking Diet Mountain Dew needs to sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, just Mountain Dew in general. Heck, you drink it by the gallon. All right, all give right. me some dap. Let's uh, let's let's go. Yeah, let's go. Here we go. Magic versus bird. I want you guys all out there listening. Think about that. One of the greatest rivalries in sports, underseeded. I don't even know if underseeded is a word, but it's not superseded. But Magic versus bird is underseeded sometimes by the Lakers versus Celtics rivalry. But Magic versus bird is what made <laughs> Lakers versus Celtics. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, you can make the argument that Magic versus Bird saved the NBA. Now, I know what you're thinking. What the hell am I talking about, right? And we will get to that, I promise you. Kurt told me this week, I can't believe I actually got him to read through 29 pages of notes, but he's like, that's some pretty deep stuff, bro. Oh, yeah. But uh, Magic versus Bird did save the NBA, and we'll get to that. But first, let's jump in our time machine. So, do you got any spacey sound effects? I know. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a tornado. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. We're back in August 14th, 1959, Lansing, wow. Michigan. Irvin Magic Johnson Jr. was born. Kid developed a love and interest for basketball, Kurt, at an early age. Myron Bill Russell. Magic often referred to Bill Russell as the best player ever. <laughs> be a hell of an argument. And what's, what's, what's the thing I always say? He's on the Mount Rushmore. Well, no. Well, I, what do I always say? You can put he any is. face on Mount Rushmore right. you want, but he's, yeah, he's, he's the mountain you carve it out yes. of. I mean, the championships speak for themselves. I mean, what was it, like 13? 13, yeah. 12, 13? 12, 13. But anyways, uh, it's been well documented by Magic's family and friends that he was on the court often from sunset to, or sunrise to sunset if he was able uh, and by the time he reached junior high and high school, he had kind of been expressing his interest to po- pursue basketball completely, making it his livelihood. He was first dubbed Magic when he was a 15-year-old sophomore playing forever at high school when he recorded a triple-double of 36, 18, and 16. That's a 32-minute game, I think, high school. In high school, probably, Eight yeah. Eight-minute quarters, I think, yeah. That's, uh, That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. So after the game, Fred Stabley Jr., who was a sports writer for the Lansing State Journal, gave him the moniker uh, of Magic. 
despite his mother, who was a <laughs> devout Christian, claiming the name was sacrilegious. Bless your heart. <laughs> she was raising a superstar, didn't even know it. Yeah. Uh, in his final high school season, he led Everett to a 27-1 and season, averaging 28.8 points per game and 16.8 rebounds. Took his team to an overtime victory in the state championship. He then dedicated the state championship win to his best friend, Reggie Chastine, who was killed in a car accident the previous summer. Um, Did he was know that? No, he, and that, at that time, he was also uh, McDonald's All-American in 1977. Oh. Uh, he was recruited by several top-ranked colleges, and for those of you who know anything about college basketball in the 70s, it was pretty much Indiana, UCLA, and a few others. Kentucky. Uh, and he made the decision that it came down to Michigan and Michigan State, and he decided to attend Michigan State. Coach Judd He's Heathcote. Coat. Yep. Told him he could play the point guard. Uh, Michigan State's roster at the time had some standouts, um, and that kind of drew magic to go there. He played with future NBA draftees Greg Kessler, Jay Vincent, and Mike. You know who that is? Brockovich? Brockovich, yes. Um, he averaged 17-7-7 and as a freshman. Led the Spartans to a 25-5 and record. Um, they uh, The Big Ten Conference title, they got a berth in the 78 NCAA tournament. They reached the Elite Eight. Eventually... Losing to the eventual national champion, Kentucky, uh, 78-79. Michigan State again qualified for the tournament. Uh, And then they advanced to the championship game and faced this guy that led his team to a 33-0 record. Yeah. Played for a a team named after some trees. A state tree? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, which we'll we'll get to that. Trust me, that's coming up. We're just going to briefly touch on it. Uh, he basically beat Bird set in Indiana State, seventy-five to sixty-four. He voted, got voted most outstanding player of the Final Four. Da 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 da. He entered the seventy-nine draft. So before we get there, let's let's go back. December seventh, Pearl Harbor Day. 1956. So that was uh, 12 years after Pearl Harbor. Larry Joe Bird was born in French Lake, Indiana. He's three years older than Magic, huh? Yeah. Um, Larry grew up poor. (laughs) Very. (laughs) I put in my notes right here. I'm looking very southern. We live like within an hour of French Lake. Yeah. I mean, I can be there in no time. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's pretty cool, too. Casino. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. I've been past that house a million times. His yeah. house, the one he bought. Right. Yeah. But anyways, Larry grew up southern Indiana poor, and something that he's made reference to to this day will always be a motivator for him because he never wants to live life poor again. Uh, his childhood was filled with some demons and some trouble, and uh, well into his teenage years and after, financial strains. uh Hoops was his escape. Um, he started for played for Springs Valley High School, averaging 31, 21, and 4 as a senior on his way to becoming Springs Valley's all-time scoring leader, which, to the best of my knowledge, I think today that record still stands. It still stands, yeah. yeah. Um, 
He received a scholarship to play college basketball. You know where? Indiana. Indiana for Bobby Knight. Knight. Yep. Good God. Well, yeah, if only, huh? If only. Oh, my Lord. Uh, and but, he was on campus about three weeks. Yeah. And Bloomington, uh, it's a big campus. Yeah, yeah. And he dropped out. Yeah, saying it, he was couldn't, too, it was too much for him. Too much. Couldn't do this. He dropped out. I'm Went sure. back home to French Lick and uh, started working for the city. Yeah. Uh, for about a year, and damn, my mic is loud. And then he, <sighs> then he. Well, now my mic's low. There we go. Technical difficulties, folks. <laughs> Please stand by. <laughs> so then he returned home to French Lick, uh, started work for the city for about a year, and then uh, enrolled at Indiana State in Terre Haute in 1975. He had a three-year career with the Sycamores. He helped them reach the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history in 79 with a 33-0 record, which eventually they lost right. to Michigan, Michigan State. State. We just covered that. Uh, why I brought that in there twice is because I was, you know, my notes for both. But uh, we'll get to this in a few minutes, but I want to point out that to the best of my knowledge, this fact still stands true today. The 79 NCAA title game between Magic and Michigan State and Bird and Indiana State was the highest television rating yes. for a college game ever. I believe that's correct. Um, now, despite failing to win the NCAA title, Bird had got numerous awards and honors for his play. He was not the Naismith College Player of the Year. Uh whole bunch of stuff he graduated in 79 got a bachelor of science degree in physical education was gonna be a pe teacher so uh you know i'm looking at my notes here (laughs) i didn't know how i was gonna put this episode together right and you know i'll have a paragraph on bird then i'll have a paragraph on magic and going back and forth but as I'm looking at the notes, and you've got them in your hand, I like to think I did a pretty good job you putting did this an, together. I, I, damn good job putting this together. There's a lot of information. There's in a here. lot of stuts. There's social issues and all kinds of shit, which we don't get political on no. this thing. But unfortunately, tonight we got to a little bit. Uh, he was also Bird was also a baseball player. Yeah, wasn't much one. Didn't care about baseball. Yeah, hoops was. Can you tank. imagine Larry Bird, the baseball player? Just doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah. All right, now, so he, 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 and his build would have been, I mean, he was six nine, so I don't know. By the time six you got, foot nine is good for a pitcher. For a pitcher, yeah. <laughs> now if he's up there, I guess the big hurt was pretty good size, wasn't he, Frank Thomas? But oh man, I haven't thought about that guy. Seems in years. like you know it'd be hard to get everything started for a good compact swing, maybe. <laughs> Holy crap, six nine. All he right, got a big strike zone, maybe. So let let's stay in our time machine here for for a minute. Let's stay in 1979. Uh, this NCAA title game. I, w- I want to touch on that for a minute. That was March 26 of 79, <coughs> held at the Special Events Center, which is now named the John M. Huntsman Center, at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. Uh, of course, Indiana State plays in the Missouri Valley Conference. Michigan State's part of the Big Ten. Uh, Larry's team, the, the Indiana State Sycamores, they were undefeated, 33-0 going into this game, right? Uh, the Spartans, uh, 
or like 25 and something or 30, no, 30 and something. They only had like five or six losses. There's, there's a the big difference in the conferences at oh, the time. Oh, well, yeah, too. yeah. The powerhouse Big Ten, and we're talking. Yeah, the Missouri, Missouri Valley. No Missouri offense, Valley, but no I mean, it's offense, not, but, it's, I mean, not a, it's not a competition. At the time, no. Um, the first, This was the first time these two guys ever met. This was the birth of a rivalry. Uh, the highest Nielsen rating of any game in American college basketball history. Or, uh, what a lineup of announcers. Let's see. Dick Enberg, Al McGuire, yeah, Billy, Billy Packer, Packer, and the halftime show was by Brian, Brian Gumbel. God, he is old now. Yeah, Gumbel. for sure. Yeah. Um, and as of today, the, the number the, – the Nielsen ratings for championship game were a 24.1 share, which is a lot. Uh, 40 million They're people. estimating 40 million people in 18 million households or so. So that's Super Bowl that's, numbers yeah, is what that sure. is. Uh, I have a complete breakdown of the game here, and after looking at it, I don't know if I'm going to run through it or not. I mean, basically, the, the game was closer than what the score showed to well, me. Yeah, and uh, – it wasn't hard for let's face it, folks. Indiana State had Larry Bird. That was it, and that was it. And they knew how to shut him down. And it that was, was a thing. double team, a triple team, even sometimes. And Michigan State went into halftime with a thirty-seven to twenty-eight lead. So you're looking at like a nine-point lead. Yeah, just so, athletically outmatched at every position, just about. Yeah. Um, Bird got a technical in the game. Yeah. We got a little rough with Magic, which yeah. is kind of funny because yeah. that's kind of the starting. Uh, and like I said, I'm not going to go through the whole game. I And I always do this in my notes. I put a lot of shit in here for Kurt and I, and then whatever I decide to cover, I cover. And if I don't, I don't. Uh, but I do want to read something, a direct quote here, and it's kind of a long one. I don't know if I'm going to read it all. But uh, sports writer Michael Wilbon, you guys might know him as an analyst on ESPN. He's one of my favorite ESPN guys. Michael Wilbon, uh, in March of 2009, he wrote an article on this. And he says, and I quote, Most people in the television audience of about 20 million had never seen either man play live on TV. Few had seen Bird, who had been on national television only three times all year, even though the Sycamores were undefeated. A great many haven't heard stories about Bird shooting and passing skills were stunned to turn the game on that night and find that Larry Bird was white. College basketball, by today's standards, was primitive in 79. Coaches usually did not have film of an upcoming opponent, and because scouting was outsourced, coaches from out of conference had never seen Bird or Magic until the teams took the court. It seemed as if everything about college basketball changed that night, and dramatically so. Um, skip some of this here. In 79, the NCAA tournament had a 40-team field. It expanded twice over the next six years, the 48 in 1980 and 64 and 85. The rights fees, only $5.2 million in 1979, doubled and tripled. And wow. Holy it shit. Is, and when this article was wrote in 2011, it was at $6 billion over 11 years. And in today's... 2021 money because I'm the money guy. They're looking at almost nine billion dollars in rights. Yeah. Uh, Michael continued on this. Uh, I think we're all ended here on the court. Bird versus Magic kicked off an era that in just six years gave us Isaiah Thomas, Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, and Kakeem Olajuwon, 
all who played in the NCAA tournament title game. Huh. The Big East and ESPN were born, and yep. as Al McGuire is quoted as saying, the college game was already on the launching pad. Bird and Magic came along and pushed the, bu- the yeah. button. Yep. That's so, basically, uh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, they think that more than 35% of all TV sets turned on the night were tuned in to the title game. It was like a Christmas present in March. <laughs> Something that could never happen today. We would know everything about an undefeated team featuring a player's talented bird. A six foot nine white kid from a small town who had driven a garbage truck the year before, who had run away from Bob Knight during a freshman year. Are you kidding? A game between Bird and Magic that reintroduced the passing game to basketball only at a higher, more sophisticated, entertaining level could never sneak up on anybody today. Not with the twenty four seven coverage of sports and Twitter. Uh here's another I want to quote this here. Dave Kindred uh, wrote about uh, these guys and said, if Magic and Bird came along today, we'd have 29 different scouting reports on both guys. We would have ESPN Outside the Lines documentaries, instant classics. We'd know too much. Now what we know in retrospect is that it was one of the most groundbreaking sporting events in America in the last 40 years, one that launched the popularity of college basketball and began the golden age of professional basketball. And without that game, March could just be another month. And <laughs> look. look, you want in on this, buddy? Ooh. Finally, Andy Katz from ESPN wrote saying that Bird and Johnson helped create the interest in the Final Four, and they made what is today's NBA. Uh, so there's a lot to cover there. Yeah, and they pretty much hit the nail right on the head there, as far as I'm concerned. All right, so you want to go forward? Yeah. Let's go forward. Okay. Magic Johnson was drafted first overall in 1979 by the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers started Johnson with a five-year deal worth 460000 per year, equaling out to be a $2.3 million deal on August 1st, 79. And since I'm the money guy, in 2021 dollars, that's about 1.8 million a season and almost 8.9 million over five years. Johnson would later say that what was most amazing about joining the Lakers was the chance to play alongside Kareem, who would go on to become the leading scorer in NBA history. Lou Alcindor. <laughs> Despite Abdul, wait, say it again. Lou Alcindor. Is that really his? That was his. Yeah. Yeah. That was his name. Yeah. Ron Artest is. East Meadow, Meadow World Meadow Peace, Meadow me, World and Adam, Peace. me and Adam. Shout out Adam Sweet. We yeah, love you, dog. Yeah, he's gaining out here, so that's good. <laughs> but anyways, uh, that was what he was most excited about was to play alongside Kareem. Uh, despite Kareem's dominance, he'd failed to win a championship with the Lakers. So, anyways, Johnson averaged 18 points, 7.7 rebounds, and 7.3 assists per game for the season made the NBA all-rookie team and was named an all-star game starter. The Lakers went 60-22 and in the regular season and reached the 1980 NBA Finals. Do you remember who they played? Uh, Sixers. 
Wasn't it? Sixers, and who was their star? Uh, Julius Irving. The Doc. The Dr. J, yeah. Um, that was my team back then. I thought it was a Sixers fan. The Lakers took a 3-2 series lead, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who averaged 33 points per game in the series, sprained his ankle in Game 5. Would not play Game 6. <coughs> Coach Paul Westhead, who had replaced McKinney earlier in the season and suffered a near-fatal bike accident, or after, decided to start Magic Johnson at center in game six. <laughs> Here's where the versatility is. 42 points, 15 yeah. rebounds, seven assists, and three steals in a 123-107 to victory while playing guard, forward, and center at different times during the game. That's just amazing. He became the only rookie to win the NBA Finals MVP, and his clutch performance is still regarded as one of the best in NBA history. He also became one of four players to win the NCAA and NBA championships in back-to-back years. Not a bad day at the office for Magic's rookie season. Showtime. Showtime. And I wanted to point this out, and you can debate this all you want. In 1981, Magic Johnson signed a 25-year, $25 million extension with the Lakers that essentially would become effective August 1st, 1984. This new deal was, and I put in my notes, to borrow a Randy Moss phrase, straight cash, homie. He was getting paid straight cash. It became the longest and richest sports contract to that point, topping the 10-year, $24 million deal Dave Winfield had just signed with the Yankees. Okay? So... He became the th- uh, when Magic Johnson's second contract kicked in in '84, he would become the third player to receive more than a million dollars annually, alongside Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Moses Malone. Malone. Yep. Don't get to talk about Moses Malone much on this show, do we? I like Moses Malone. Uh, I don't know when we're ever going to talk about Moses Malone again. Uh, so what comes to mind when I say Moses Malone? Reba- those- rebound. Rebound. That's a good one. Oh man, a beast. <laughs> okay. Going forward. But to that day, it remains one of the most famous and unique athlete contracts of all time. An early display of a relatively new owner of the Bus family displaying their loyalty to their star player. The fun fact, when asked by the L.A. Times if this new deal was meant as a jab at Yankees owner George Steinbrenner, (laughs) Bus would say, it sure as hell is. The crazy deal would keep Johnson a Laker for a long time, running from 1984 to 2009. He would eventually sign new deals with L.A. to compensate for the years when he was not the highest-played player in the league. Uh, the deal, thought up by the late, great Jerry Buss, helped keep him a Laker for life. The point I was originally making here, though, was that Magic was frustrated with the contract signed by Bird being more than his. And since that deal took effect in 84, the 2021 money on that is $64 million. Averaging about two and a half per season. So That's a lot of scratch. You like when I do the money thing, don't you? It's just, I love, but, seeing, I love it, seeing the inflation. It blows my mind. One of these days, that episode's coming. Busting contracts. Yes. Kurt's going to bust contracts on an all-episode. Oh yeah, you're gonna piss them. Well, can piss some people off. I mean, I hope it don't piss too many off. But you say it in the opening. It's these gonna, contracts it, are out, out of control, control, man. They are just they're playing a kids' game. These are kids' games. 
I'd be happy with like one of those veteran minimum contracts yeah. of like a hundred thousand a year. Too. Me too. I just pay my utilities and feed me. I would be happy if my employer would just pay me five hundred dollars a week cash, tax free. I don't even fucking bring that home. <laughs> I'm working two jobs and not even bringing home six hundred bucks a week. What the fuck? Uh, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, I agree. We're clowns. <laughs> They're the circus, but we're the clowns. Oh, yes. All right, anyways. Anyways, enough of that shit. Somebody might listen to it. Okay, nobody <laughs> in office is listening to our shit. Anyways. <laughs> I have fun. Uh, Last three weeks ago was pretty somber. Tonight it's yeah, fun. Right on, bro. All right. So, Larry Bird was selected by the Boston Celtics sixth overall in 78. He did not sign with the Celtics immediately. Instead, he played his final season at Indiana State. Uh, Red Auerbach publicly stated, the general manager of the Celtics, that he would not pay Bird more than any Celtic on the current roster. But Larry Bird's agent, Bob Wolf, told Auerbach that Bird would reject any sub-market offers and simply re-enter the 79 draft instead, which would mean Boston's rights would expire. Uh, I lost my place. Luck got excited, and I thought the pizza was here. You see, after the, the bird. Okay, yeah, bird. Where bird's rights would expire when the draft began on June 25th, bird would have likely been the top pick. Right. After back and forth negotiations, bird would ink a five-year, three point two five million dollar contract with the team on June 8th, making him the highest paid newcomer in sports history. Uh, the money on this one's pretty fun. Uh, that's equal to about $13.6 million in 2021 dollars. Uh, shortly thereafter, the NBA draft eligibility rules were changed to prevent teams from drafting players before they are ready to sign. Do you know what that's called nowadays? I no, I do not. The Bird Rule. Oh, really? In his rookie season, 79-80, Bird immediately transformed the Celtics into what would become title contender. They improved its win total by 32 games from the year before, finished first in the Eastern Conference. Uh, in his career debut, Larry Bird went recorded a double-double, 14-10-5 in a win over the Rockets. Um, skip around, skip around, bunch of bullshit. Uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals, Boston was eliminated by the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, what's funny about this, Kurt... Is in stark contrast or comparison or just one upsmanship, Bird wins Rookie of the Year, Magic gets pissed off, Magic wins the World Championship. Uh -huh. right. The rivalry continues. Uh, Magic Johnson would go on record multiple times as saying that he didn't give a flat fuck, pardon my language, that he won the World Championship. He won a Rookie of the Year. And when Bird won Rookie of the Year, and it wasn't even close. Yeah. That's yeah, the thing. It was unanimous. Um, hop in your Google machine. If you don't believe me and Kirk, go check it out. It wasn't even close. Right. I forget the percentage, but over half, half the votes, yeah. well over half, was for Bird. Bird. Versus, uh, so Magic was pissed. Yes. Okay, so now, uh, if you remember at the top of the episode, we talked about how these two are credited by many for saving yes. the tanking NBA ratings, Big right? Big time, yeah. But I know some of you people are seriously thinking, like, what am I talking about? Well, I'm really proud of this research here that we're 
fixing to get into because I had a dig yeah, and dig and dig to find out what ratings were like in basketball in the 50s and the 60s <laughs> and the 70s and how many people was watching it on TV versus still living, listening on the radio because they didn't have t- – not everybody still had a TV in the 80s. Right. So there was a lot of nights spent on this. I did have three weeks to prepare for this episode, so uh, – so we're gonna we're gonna get into this, yeah. uh, but before we do that, um, we'll you know just uh, keep a long plug. I just want to hear our new ad read music. <laughs> That's why I'm doing this. So uh, okay, so <clears throat> Indiana bow season opened yesterday. Yeah, sure did. So what better thing to do than plug Deer Thirty Mineral? Uh, I haven't talked to these guys. They never did send me my stuff. They said they would, but uh, that's okay. But anyways, check out Deer 30 Mineral on Facebook uh, or on the web. Uh, This is serious, hardcore nutrition for your herd, guaranteed to make your trophy case look absolutely impressive. Kurt, we don't know any man that does not what? Love big racks. And with Deer 30 Mineral and their products, you will get guaranteed big racks. They have... A variety of stuff on their website. The thing I like to plug the most is the clock stopper. And if you get on your Google machine, you hop on the YouTube bus, and you check out Deer Thirty Mineral, uh, and you see the results of some of these bucks, it's a, it's it's impressive. That's all I can say. So uh, get, check them out at DeerThirtyMineral.com uh, or give them a call at one two seven zero three three nine seven seven three one. A little. Pretty local company based down in Madisonville, Kentucky. So uh, it's deer season, y'all. Be safe. Yep. The herds are uh, the big four legged brown dogs are running across the road this time of year now. So be safe out there. Yes, for sure. Uh, Good luck. Hope y'all tag a big one. I I love that. I'll have to play (laughs) this song later. That's nice little. All right. Curse over here, like, quit fucking around, man. I want to talk bird magic. Okay, so this this is this is where this is a long list of shit, and I don't know how much we're gonna use, but this is how they save the NBA. <coughs> so uh, here we go. As a national broadcaster of the NBA, CBS would air games from '73 and '74 until '89 and '90, during which the early '80s is notoriously known as the tape delay yeah, playoff era. I can remember that. Yeah. So the NBA first got involved in cable in about '79. The USA Network at that time would sign a three-year deal, $1.5 million. Which, by the way, I didn't do the inflation on this, so go figure. <laughs> um, I was, I was. Balls, balls, balls deep in these ratings analysis. So, anyways, USA would sign a three-year, $1.5 million deal, and it would extend for two years until the 83-84 season. ESPN had a brief love affair with the NBA as well from 82 to 84. And then Ted Turner, shout-out World Championship Wrestling. I always get my wrestling reference in. Uh, Turner Sports. Uh, would air NBA games beginning in 84 and 85, replacing ESPN and the USA Network as their national cable partners under a four-year deal, and which TBS would share the NBA television package with CBS. 
In the summer of 87, Turner Broadcasting Systems, TBS, would then sign a new joint broadcast contract between TBS and TNT, and they would split the broadcast NBA games starting for the 88-89 season. Why am I telling you all this? Just, just bear with me. Roll with me. TNT held the rights to broadcast the NBA draft and most of the regular season playoffs, which to this day you still see a shit ton of NBA yeah. games on TNT. Yes. Um, but by the time the 79-80 season had got here, the network's NBA ratings had bottomed. And when I say bottomed, <laughs> I mean bottomed out. The regular season ratings for the broadcast were at about a 6.4 share. That is – that's in the shitter. Yes. That's – yeah. Um, by this time, when this rolled around in 79-80, the network had eliminated regional coverage – and they would only use two play-by-play announcers, Gary Bender and Brent Musburger. Musburger. I love Brent Musburger. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, class act. Class act. Uh, they they would have three guys doing color commentary. You'd have Bill Russell, Ron Hundley, and you know who the other one is? Rick Barry. Rick Barry. Yeah. Did you know that, or did you remember that from the notes? I remember from the notes. Oh, man. I like Rick Barry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, CBS felt showing at the time that an NBA Finals game was not worth preempting their Friday night lineup. Because at this point, the smash hit, I love this show on reruns when I can find it. No, see, what was it? Uh, Dallas. Dallas. Dallas, yes. Dallas. And I and I even talk about the JR episode. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. I lost my place. I knew I know I put it in here. CBS felt the show in an NBA Finals game was not worth preempting their Friday night lineup, which included the smash hit Dallas in particular during May sweeps. Although the iconic episode in which J.R. Ewing was shot was aired March 21st, 80, Dallas was already in summer reruns at the time. Remember who shot J.R.? Oh, shit. Uh, Sue Ellen. Kristen Shepard shot J.R. Okay. His sister-in-law. Okay. And... I thought it was Sue Ellen. Kristen Shepard was his <laughs> sister-in-law and mistress. Uh, so I fucked up. <laughs> I just stopped recording the episode, so there might be a slight little delay when I merge these together in post-production. But uh, yeah, fuck it. We just, you know, we, we it was pizza time. It was pizza time. Shout out Pizza Junction, Magoti. Yes. Good stuff. I'm getting fat on these fucking pizzas, bro. <laughs> Okay, anyways, the consensus was that a basketball game in prime time would have drawn less viewers. So CBS used to regularly run NBA games in the 11.30 p.m. time slot, which would be occupied by the CBS Late Movie. And then for eighty and 81 NBA Finals, CBS scheduled game three and four on back-to-back days on the weekend to avoid an extra tape delay game. So they're making moves. In 1980, the 26 share from 76 had fallen down to 18%. Ratings would fall to a level where, as mentioned before, CBS would then start airing the games on tape delay. I can remember that. Yeah. The 81 NBA Finals set the standard for utility with an average rating of 6.7, the lowest in NBA history until the 2003 NBA Finals, which, if I believe right, 2003 would have been the New Jersey Nets and maybe the Spurs. Who? Uh, what was it again? The 2003 Finals. Uh, 
It was Spurs. Spurs. and Spurs, maybe? I think so. Jason Kidd. I want to say Jason Kidd. Yeah. I would have been... I'd have been a freshman in high school when the time the 03 finals came around. Anyways, uh, you know, so it was the lowest in history until 2003. So when it came time for CBS to broadcast game six in the 1980 finals, the network gave its affiliates the option of either airing the game live or on a tape delay. Uh, And in fact, uh, one of the stations in Atlanta didn't even carry the NBA on CBS for many years. If the affiliate would choose to air the game later that night, then the primetime schedule would re- consist of reruns of the Incredible Hulk, Dukes of Hazard, or Dallas, or something along those lines. Um, so that's kind of where they were at. Uh, the clinching Game 6 of the 1980s finals between the Lakers and 76ers was most notably aired live in Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Portland, and Seattle markets. Uh, CBS stations in the later markets would able to air the game live and show most of the primetime schedule, blah, 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 blah. The reason for all these changes is that the scheduling dilemma was, in fact, the NBA had opted to start the regular season earlier. Starting in about the 70s, this is when they pushed back the start of the regular season, resulting in it ending earlier. Uh, like in April. Uh, prior to that, the season had always ended in March. <coughs> um, it wasn't much coverage. No, 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 no. It was down. It was it was fucking yeah, baseball and tanking. football were exploding. In. Yeah. Um, damn, I'm trying not to burp in the mic. I am <laughs> fucked up off that <laughs> meat lovers. Yeah. Pizza. Let me just. Uh, Kurt, entertain him. Let me <laughs> entertain him. Oh, boy, you got me looking like an old fat cow. Me. Well, I mean, I am. I didn't do it. Ethan, what? we need to get you your mic so you can be a part of this. I got it. We got to get his mic. Okay, let's just refocus here. Fuck it. I'm like, I'm just tasting the pizza, pizza. every time I burp. It's good pizza. Shout out Lucky Strike. <laughs> Every time you hear this, yep. another Lucky Strike. A secret. Okay. Um, so where was I at? So ratings, yeah, the big part of because this is a big part of this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is the good thing. I put all this research in, and some of it we don't even carry, but hey, it's there if we need it. Um. Weeknight games held on the West Coast would start at 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. That's 11.30 over here with us. Um, In the Eastern time zone, the games can be shown live. However, non-West Coast weeknight games would be required to be tape delays, shown at 11.30 p.m. like the 1980 NBA Finals. The series deciding Game 6 was the most notorious example, like we talked about earlier. Um... This is all cited, all this stuff I'm talking about here. This is TV's lack of interest in the NBA in the pre-Magic right. versus Bird era. So then you get to the 80-81 season, and that was pretty much the rock-bottom point of basketball ratings and tape delay for CBS. They aired four of the six final games on tape delay and six of the nine during the conference finals. Just like the previous year, they scheduled three and four of the NBA Finals without a day off to avoid yet another tape delay game. Um, I mean, 
Is it crazy? Crazy. Uh, to be, uh, I mean, why was it like this? I know you're before. <laughs> I like you having notes. I want to point this out. Between 81 and 83, ratings for CBS's NBA telecast would rise by 12%. CBS' highest-rated NBA game and the only NBA game that scored more than 20 ratings points for the network was Game 7 of the 88 Finals between the Lakers and Pistons. So what that says is it's starting to come around with Bird and Magic. Why was it like this? Why were ratings in the tank? What happened to make one of the major... American sports like basketball become so lowly watched and talked about in the late 70s and early 80s. You know why? There's a lot of reasons. Huh? There's a lot of reasons. Uh, and like I said, we don't get social and political, but on this episode, we're going to have to a little bit. By 78 and 79, three to four years after the August 5th, my birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, yeah. I mean, this was early, but, you know, I was 85, 87, but by... Three or four years after the August 5th, 76 merger of the NBA and ABA, over 75% of the league was colored. Yes. We'll say colored. And many include famed sports writer and author Benjamin Rader, who claimed in his book, In His Own Image, How Television Transcended Sports, that that could be a major decline. Think about it. A decade past the Martin Luther King Jr. movement, and things of that sort. Racism was still prevalent in America, and especially in American sports. Seattle Supersonics player Paul Silas, who was the president of the NBA Players Association at the time, argued that many whites looked unfavorably on black players who made large sums of money if it appeared they were not working hard for that money. Like, what the fuck? So, <clears throat> I mean, I don't think anybody's going to call that's the thing about today's age. You can't. You gotta be careful what you say, because you're gonna get called a racist even when you're pointing out facts. But I think everybody knows me and you. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think we're set. So things are so bad right before Bird Magic for the NBA that they had reached out and hired a PR company. The American people said the NBA was too black for America, white America to be specific. There was a big, that, that was probably one of the biggest reasons. Another being that the influx of talent from the ABA merger saw that a handful of ABA teams would become NBA teams while the rest disbanded. People just could not keep up with all the new players. So you think about the geography of it all, where teams are located, who had access to TV and things. It's not like right. today where there's Right. There's there was no internet then to see every game you wanted at drug use. Drug use was another big issue going on at the time in our country and it found its way inside pro basketball. The seventies saw a major spike in cocaine use. Cocaine use in the NBA ranged from forty to seventy five percent of players at the time. Huh. What's that story you always talk about? <laughs> the college basketball game? Oh, uh Bill Nova. Uh, Gary McLean, the starting guard, uh, admitted in Sports Illustrated that he was high as hell on cocaine when he beat Georgetown. Him and a few other teammates. They would have played Patrick Ewing in that game. Yeah, we've been Patrick Ewing. Ewing, yeah. Ewing was on that and, Georgetown uh, team. Let me tell you right now, it was performance en- uh, enhancing because they put it to <laughs> Georgetown, I'm going to tell you. Wow. <laughs> Damn it, I, I, I wanted this one. I, I must say. <laughs> Cocaine, the new performance in I mean, Georgetown, Georgetown beat everybody that year, and, uh, except for Villanova. You know why Georgetown beat everybody that year? 
Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing, yeah. They had David Wingate. They had a lot of, lot of talent. Kurt, you had me at Patrick Ewing. <laughs> right. It starts and it ends. With Patrick Ewing, Patrick yeah. Ewing. Uh, as it's, more- an interesting, it's an interesting percentage there. I mean, that's quite a, quite a few co-heads that are running around. As more NBA players turned to cocaine, more fans turned away from the league in the 70s. Who can blame them? Most of our memories of sports are surrounded around our radio or TV or at a live event with our families. It's a family spectacle. And if you're seeing drugged out, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, moving on. In May 13th, 2011, on an article for Bleacher Report, which uh, I love Bleacher Report, but I don't know about you. That's one of my favorite sources. Uh, Doug Merlino would write, The Johnson-Bird rivalry might have never taken on the dimensions it did if they had not ended up playing for the league's two most storied franchises, the Lakers and the Celtics. Not only was there tradition between the teams who would battle for championships throughout the 60s, but there was the added dimension of the East-West Coast rivalry. In the 79-80 NBA season, Bird turned the Celtics around, taking them from a 29-53 record to a 61-21. The Celtics eventually lost to Dr. J-led 76ers in the Eastern Conference Finals. Magic, meanwhile, joined arguably the best player in the league, Kareem Jewel-Jawar, in the Lakers and powered them to a 60-22 record in the NBA Finals against the 76ers. Of course, Magic would go on to win... Bird answered the next season as the Celtics defeated the Rockets in the finals. As people started to catch on something was happening in the NBA, the television ratings would shoot up. Wherever they played, the Lakers and Celtics road games would start to sell out. The on-court rivalry... ESPN came along about this time too, didn't he? A lot lot more uh, media getting out there then. Merlino would continue to write that during Bird and Magic's second NBA season, Ronald Reagan was elected president. His agenda, though rarely stated in concrete terms, included rolling back political changes that had been instituted after the Civil Rights Movement with the goal of helping African Americans catch up to whites economically. Many of these had come through the courts and bureaucratic decisions made within government agencies. The Reagan administration specifically targeted programs such as affirmative action, busing, and the state aid to poor, such as food stamps and welfare. Reagan found himself often spoke... Reagan himself often spoke dismissively of the so-called welfare queens who sponged off the taxpayers. Merlino will continue on saying, Many black people experienced the rhetoric of the times as a direct racial attack, while many whites who saw no need for the African-Americans to get unfair advantages welcomed the changes. As often happens when a straightforward discussion seems too emotional or complicated or dangerous, these feelings leak out into sports and into the figures of one Larry Bird and Irvin Magic Johnson. Boston at the time was viewed across the country as a racial hotbed. In 74, a federal judge had ordered the local schools to desegregate. As integration efforts began, whites rioted and pelted buses carrying black school children with rocks Images that were spread across the country in newspapers and shown on nightly TV newscasts. Boston was, in the early 80s, still home to a large white working class. For many, Larry Bird, white, hard-nosed, blue-cottered from southern Indiana, seemed to be the perfect symbol for this group. 
In the 80s, the Celtics added to that perception by signing other white players, such as Kevin McHale and... Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge. This led to... This led to many to see the team, which in the 50s had been the first to draft a black player, Chuck Cooper, in the 60s, the first to start five black players, and the first to have a black coach, Bill Russell. Uh, In Los Angeles, the Lakers were viewed as black, with Magic leading the team, including an African-American starter such as Kareem, James Worthy, and Michael Cooper. That's another name we don't talk about a lot. Michael Co- Cooper. Cooper. Damn good guard. Hell of a guard. Defensive juggernaut. Uh, nearly about the same height as Bird. Around 6'9". Oh, I fucked my notes up. Nearly the same height at around 6'9". Bird, Mag- Bird and Magic were gifted but not supreme athletes. I don't know about that. I'd say it's pretty supreme to me. Yeah. Instead, they used their court vision, passing abilities, and almost clairvoyant foresight. Of how plays were unfolded yes. to control the games. Anticipation. Anticipating. What did we talk about two weeks ago in the aisle way when we started prepping for this aisle? You just walked past my desk. I said both these guys had a high IQ. High basketball IQ. Oh, for sure. A bird. You can't teach that. Uh, yeah. What bird lacked in physical ability, uh, he had, I don't know, just knowledge. Basketball was- savvy. Who do you think was a better defender? Magic? You don't think Bird? I think Bird was a better defender, hell. Okay. As the rivalry played out in the epic finals of 84, 85, and 87, the Celtics won the first, the Lakers the last two. Bird and Magic reached the heights of the the height of the racial signifying. Many white fans sided with the Celtics, black fans with the Lakers. Um Okay, so that's... I mean, I'm not going to keep writing about the right, but it was part of it. Let's go on here. Bird, for his whole career, never took racial bait from either side, though. I do want to point this out. Coming out of college, he shunned people who tried to call him the Great White Hope. When asked to comment on racial matters, his general response was he said nothing at all. Celtics teammate Cedric Maxwell remembered feeling antagonistic towards Bird when he joined the team, but soon came around when he saw not only how how good Bird was, but how little he cared about the hype. Race was never an issue with Larry Bird. He was just a guy who wanted to kick everybody's ass yep. and win. Absolutely. So, uh, that's enough. But this is, you know, all this came from Doug Merlino's 2013 uh, article on Bleacher Report. Uh, it was a good read. Um, let's see if what I need to hear here. Magic was kind of the same way. He didn't want a race to be brought into it, right. although they were both painted in those situations. Magic yeah. would just play it off, too. Uh, the NBA, though, had hit gold. I mean, you got two tremendous athletes, Kurt. Uh, <laughs> you know, they they took their game to a whole another level. They brought their teammates, teammates. up. Uh, yes. And it just – the whole drama in that time of – race in america and big deal yeah it was a big deal but the funny thing was these two guys had nothing but the utmost respect yeah, for each other you absolutely. know they wouldn't admit it necessarily right. but you could see it uh in 84 is when david stern took over as commissioner he expanded the league's marketing and merchandising efforts which eventually 
extended to push for custom arenas that could deliver new sources of revenue like luxury boxes. By then, weekend television doubleheaders always featured the Lakers and Celtics against whomever. So they were both in the prime spot there. Uh, you know, if you wanted to see somebody else play, you are kind of shit out of luck. Yeah. These were the guys that were driving. Yep. Uh, and they become a staple of Sports Center, which you were right. It launched in seventy nine. I was thinking ESPN. Uh, yeah, you know, come along, but yeah. then and then. So basically, for years, the league was essentially um, Bird versus Magic, and like a hundred, two hundred, three hundred supporting players. Basically, that's what it was. This <laughs> yeah. era peaked then in the eighty seven NBA Finals, and then it finally started to roll back. With the arrival of new of a new superstar, I wonder who we're talking about there. Uh, MJ, maybe. Yeah, with the new superstar and Bird and Magic reaching, you know, starting to right, the twilight right. of their career. Uh, for around the last six years of his career until retirement, Bird was increasingly hampered by a bad back. Yeah. And the Celtics yeah. never made it. Back Ironically, to the how do you get his bad back? So here's a funny story. Well, I was going to save this for labor. Uh, Larry Bird, uh, through my research, uh, went back home to Indiana. He had bought his mother a new house yeah. with his NBA money, so went back right here to rural southern Indiana, and he was shoveling rock, building her a new driveway, yes. and uh, mm-hmm. just tore his back all the shit. Yeah, he cared more about helping his mom. That's, and you you know why this is funny is because uh, further research has shown that because of this incident, afterwards, a lot of not just NBA franchises, but sports franchises in general, would start putting clauses in contracts that would prohibit their stars from doing activity. Yeah. Like they're not even allowed to play pickup <clears throat> games, ride motorcycles. Right. right. Well that kind of money, I mean Well, I mean you gotta think about it, it's a human being, but it's essentially a business investment. Yes. That's where the money part is. Yeah, like uh, Roethlisberger got in deep shit his rookie year or the year <laughs> yeah. after his rookie year because yeah. he had the motorcycle yep. wreck. Yep. And he was not <clears throat> supposed to be on the motorcycle or that would be in breach of his contract. Right. But anyways, um, so moving on. Well, Kurt, we're 10 pages down now. So 19 more to go. Um, and I know I try to keep everything flowing the same way. Um, in 92 but there's going to be a lot of coming back in 1992 Bird of Magic United for a celebratory lap on the Olympic Dream Team uh, this was after Magic had come out as uh, HIV positive right. which we'll get to god damn we'll get to that uh, the team annihilated its opposition uh, <laughs> Their age, each win was an average of 44, 44 points. points yeah uh, the only thing resembling drama the whole thing wasn't actually between Bird and Magic. It was Michael Jordan who would not wear the red, white, and blue warm-up suits on the stand because it included a Reebok, not a Nike logo. So, uh, <laughs> anyways. At the last moment, a compromise was found out. Huh? Doug, yeah, Doug Merlino's uh, 2013 article on Bleacher Report ended by saying this. The intense rivalry of Magic Bird had been replaced by allegiance to a corporate dollar, uh, which was talking about Michael's shoe thing. The fact that Bird and Magic, through their will to win, team play, and the racial undertones of the rivalry, carried the NBA 
into the fat middle of American mainstream in the 80s, but by 1992, that was old news. The league was moving on, and their stars were fading. So, um, let me see here, Kurt. We'll get into it. So, I could, I could go on here. Uh, I, trust me, guys, and I, and I even put my notes. I have 100-plus pages, and I do. I found notes galore about uh, the NBA before Bird versus Magic and where ratings were and to prove my whole thesis about they saved it. Uh, but I'm not. we got to keep moving. Uh, use a Kirk Kelly phrase here, though. These two really did put asses in the seats. And so I'm going to end this whole ratings, saving the NBA portion, portion here with uh, I got I got one more uh, quote I want to go here. Uh in a July twenty uh, July two thousand nineteen article for Belly Up Sports, which by the way is another great uh, sports blog and sports website out there that I use a lot. Uh, the writer, he's a staff writer. I've followed his work for years. He's simply known as Basketball Kev. He would write, "Magic's charisma and skill on the court made him a phenomenon. In the media, Magic was a poster child. He did not do drugs." He was a public feature and was featured in many ad campaigns. While he liked women a little bit too much, <laughs> it did not impact his play, and at least it wasn't drugs. This was a huge departure from what the NBA's reputation had been in the 70s. However, even though he was charismatic and beloved, the Lakers were still viewed as a black team. This is where Larry Bird came in. Another nickname of Bird's was the Great White Hope. On a team with Danny Ainge and Kevin McHale, the Celtics were viewed as a white team. This caused many fans in Boston to actively root for the Lakers because they did not want a white team to win. However, there was an upside to having this. Having a white superstar helped the NBA lose its stigma of being a black league. These two came together to show the world that the NBA was not a league that they thought it was. It was not a league of color. So the next year when you were watching a game, take a moment to remember how Bird saved the NBA with some magic. Or how Magic saved the NBA with a little birdie. Right. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, something else I I put on here down at the bottom. Popular belief still holds that the peak era of the NBA on CBS occurred between 84 to 87. During this period, their coverage of the games were beneficiary of a new era in the league that would forever link two of the game's best players, Bird and Magic. Uh, they entered the NBA coming off of each other. Uh, you know, like we've said a million times, the highest-rated college basketball game ever. The Lakers or Celtics are two of the most iconic teams in large television markets. Uh, within three years of Johnson and Bird entering the league, the NBA had a game of the week on CBS, and ratings for the final games approached levels rivaling those to the World Series. Prior to Bird versus Magic, CBS used to televise five to seven games regionally per week. Um... So basically, this just says that they came in, they sold tickets, ratings went up, things changed. <coughs> so, what do I got here? So there you have it. Two players easily fill three out of every five basketball Mount Rushmore arguments. That's what I put in oh, my yeah. notes. They took a league that was so bad, the NBA spent way over any marketing budget they had to hire a PR firm to fix it. Uh... And in a span of a few seasons, they helped turn it around into a multi-billion dollar business with pop culture impacts that made many franchises 
value soar high by the time it hit the 90s. Uh, and these two help solidify an East-West Coast rivalry that is mentioned in everyone's top five greatest rivalries in sports. Whether it be head-to-head with each other or just Lakers versus Celtics, this rivalry is up there with Ali versus Frazier, oh, yeah. Boston versus New York, Yankees, Red Sox, Cowboys, 49ers, Bears, Packers, Red Wings, Maple Leafs, Michigan, Ohio State, Duke, North Carolina, Manning versus Brady. You get the idea. Yeah, big time. So, okay. Now, Kurt, can you tell me what that next paragraph says? It's time for some meat and taters, <laughs> as we always say. <laughs> <laughs> I like meat. Oh, I like meat and taters. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, before we do meat and taters, you want to click it out? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna try not to turn this thing off again. I can't believe I turned <laughs> it off. We're gonna have to splice them. You like that music, don't you? Oh yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Glary Guitars. Check them out on Facebook or check them out at glarymusic.com. That's G L A R R Y. Uh, very reasonable and affordable instruments. Sound good. Sound good. I bought two. From one for me, one for Zach. Uh, Eighty dollar acoustics. Look and play like a three to five hundred dollar guitar. I call mine a cannon guitar because of how loud it is. It's got good volume. Yeah, impressive. Made out of boss wood. It's not. Right. It's a lighter, cheaper right. wood. Right. I shouldn't say cheaper, but uh, give them give them a call, guys. A well, uh, well made guitar. Yeah, give them a call at one six zero six. 4046286 Um Yeah. They're going to I mean, we still have to I still have to get back in touch with them. They're going to send us a gift a guitar at a ridiculous discount price uh and an amp which Kurt's all going to gung ho about playing while we've <laughs> got the mic set up. But uh yeah, check them out on Facebook or uh, the .com, glarymusic.com. You like that, don't you? Yes. Oh, fuck, what did I hit? I hit the wrong button. But, boy, I am just not on my computer skills tonight, am I? <laughs> don't look at me, dude. You're not the technical guy. That's not I'm yours. an analog guy. Yeah, that's not your... All right, so meat and taters. And uh, before we start on the meat and taters, I want to I ask you a question. Yeah, what's up? 1980 to 1989. That's yeah. pretty much 10 years. Yeah. Did you know that at least one team, whether it be the Celtics or the Lakers, was in every NBA Finals that in that span? That's, imp- that's impressive, really. So that's nine years, one year short of a decade. So of those nine years, at least one of these teams was in every NBA Finals. That's pretty impressive. That's uh, dynasties. During that time period, the Lakers took home five titles, Celtics took home three. Just throwing that out there. The other team to win one would have been Houston. the Houston Rockets or the Seventy Sixers. I can't remember. I might have even put it in here. Fuck, I don't know. Uh, in the eighty eighty one, man, I don't know if I really want to go through all this crap. Oh, uh, let's see here. I literally broke down every season too, didn't I? Yeah. That's where a lot of the bulk of the notes came you from. Sure did. Well, what do you want to do? You want to go through all them? Because they're they're mostly broke down into just paragraphs, short paragraphs. You, I mean, I don't. You're sitting there flipping through. <laughs> Fuck, son, I did, didn't That's I? That's a lot of reading. 
Um, why don't why don't we just uh oh god, I gotta stop doing this. Hey, you say I do good research though. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean this is thorough. <laughs> Kurt, I didn't realize I didn't. I was so excited. I literally went through a breakdown of every season. Yeah, yeah I was looking through this the other night and uh I was thinking, wow. When you were sitting there reading that, what were you thinking? Like, this guy's an idiot? No, no, no. I was thinking, man, uh, bird magic. Holy crap, there it is right there. And, and oh, literally, God. you got it broke down to every Every season of every the rivalry. Season, yes. Which was a great rivalry. I mean, holy crap. How about we just... How about I just skip through the breakdowns and just pick out the highlights? I mean... I mean, well, in today's age, anybody could go back and watch any of them at this time, you know, any of the games through YouTube or Google or something. Let's let's do this. How about this? Uh, in the 80-81 season, so his second season, Magic tour his ACL or tore cartilage. He missed 45 games. Uh, Lakers then assistant and future head coach Pat Riley would say that his he would make his return, made them a divided team. Um, they faced the Houston Rockets in the first round of the playoffs. Houston upset the Lakers 2-1. to one. Or 2-1. to one. Wouldn't it have been 3-1? to one? Uh, was it a six-game series? It was, then? It was a seven-game series, I thought. Well, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <coughs> anyway, oh, fucking, I can't even read my notes sometimes. Uh, the 81-82 season, Johnson had a big dispute with Westhead, who he had said made the Lakers slow and predictable. Johnson demanded to be traded away. Uh, of course, Jerry Buss, who was basically fondling Magic's ball sack, for lack of a better <laughs> word, was not going to lose his star player. So they fired Westhead and replaced him with Pat Riley. I was telling everybody he's your guy. My guy. I know. Pat Riley. He's not my guy. It's a long story. Kurt used to bitch about Pat Riley when we first started getting to know each other talking sports. So it's always a joke that Uh, Pat Riley's Kurt's guy. I'm sorry. I wasn't a Laker fan. You know who was the uh, general manager for the big three in Miami with LeBron, Wade, and Bosch? No, I do not. Pat Riley. Pat Riley. Pat wow. Riley was the GM in the Heat. Uh, didn't he coach that team? No. Who coached uh, that team? Doll, who coached? Was it Eric Spolstra? They coached who? The big three Miami. It was Eric yeah. Spolstra, right? Uh, yeah. And okay. Pat Riley Pat was Riley's the GM. GM. Pat Riley was LeBron's GM. <laughs> LeBron James, one of the top ten players of all time. Yeah. Hot take. I said it. I said it. I'll defend yep. it. Yeah, he's pretty good. I got to go back to this. I can't believe I put this all in. I'm I'm honestly not looking forward to reading through this now. So we're skimming. Uh, so basically the 80, what did I say? Pat Riley took over. Da-da-da-da. Uh, Johnson denied responsibility for Westhead's firing. He was booed across the league, even by the Laker fans. Buss was unhappy with the offense. He had it. Said he had always intended on firing Westhead. <laughs> Anyways, um, don't, despite his off-court troubles, Johnson averaged 
18, 9, and 9 in a league-high 2.5 steals per game and was voted a member of the NBA All-Second Team. He joined the Big O, Oscar Robertson, and Wilt Chamberlain as the only NBA players to tally 700 rebounds, 700 assists, 700 points in the same season. The Lakers advanced to the 82 playoffs and faced Philadelphia for the second time in three years. Um, and, of course, after a triple-double from Johnson in Game 6, they defeated the 76ers 4-2. Johnson won a second NBA Finals MVP. <coughs> they credit that success to Pat Riley. Uh, before the 80-81 season, Celtics selected Kevin McHale in the draft and acquired center Robert Parrish from Golden State, forming a Hall of Fame trio, basically. Uh, yeah. yeah, front court was solidified. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, the Celtics, you know, they advanced to the conference finals for rematch with the 76ers. They filed behind 3-1 to one to start the series, but won in the next three to advance to the finals against the Rockets. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Bird scored 19 points in route to winning. Man, what the fuck? I'll stop this. The All-Star game. In the conference finals, the set, the Celtics faced 76ers for the third consecutive rear. Rear. <laughs> Losing in seven games. Boston's misfortunes continue the next season with Bird finishing second in the MVP voting to Malone and the team losing in the conference semifinals of the Bucks. Oh, gosh. Here we go. Here's more notes. Uh, the Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks. Bob Lanier. Prior to the start of Johnson's fifth season, West, who had become the Lakers, that would be Jerry West. Yeah. Just the NBA logo, Jerry West. Prior to Johnson's fifth season, West, who had become the Lakers general manager, traded Nixon to free Johnson from sharing the ball handling responsibilities. Magic would go on to average another double-double season with 17 points, 13 assists, and 7 rebounds. The Lakers reached the finals for a third year in a row where Johnson's Lakers and Bird's Celtics met for the first time in the postseason. The Lakers would win the first game, led by two points in game two with 18 seconds to go, but Gerald Henderson hits the famous layup. Johnson failed to get a shot off before the final buzzer sounded, and the Lakers lost 124-121 in overtime. Game three, Magic responded with 21 assists. Yeah. 21 assists. yeah, for sure. Good God. And 137 to 104 win, but he made several crucial errors late in the contest during game four. In the final minutes of the game, Johnson had the ball stolen by Celtic center Robert Parrish. He then missed two free throws that could have won the game. Mm-hmm. The Celtics won game four in overtime. The team the teams then split the next two games. So we're here. Decisive game seven. You know where game seven's at? The forum, isn't it? No. Yeah, it's the forum. No. Boston. Boston. <laughs> the Lakers trail by three points in the final minute, exposing point guard Dennis Johnson. Opposing point guard Dennis Johnson stole the ball from Magic, a play that pretty much ended the series. Friends Isaiah Thomas and Mark Aguirre consoled him that night, talking until the morning in his Boston hotel room amidst fan celebrations on the street. During the finals, Johnson averaged 18 points, on 560 shooting, which isn't bad, 13 assists and 7 rebounds. 
Johnson later would describe the series as the one championship we should have but didn't get. In the 84 to 85 regular season, he averaged 18, 12, and 6 and led the Lakers to the 85 NBA Finals where they faced the Celtics again. The series started poorly for the Lakers when they allowed the NBA final record 148 points to the Celtics in a 34-point loss in Game 1. I need to scroll. My scrolling's way down. Skip forward, skip forward. Uh, Skip forward. After the Lakers defeated the Celtics in six games, Abdul-Jabbar Johnson, who averaged 18.3 points on 4.94 shooting and 14 assists, said the finals win was the highlight of their careers. Johnson would again average a double-double in the 85-86 NBA season with 18-12. and 12. The Lakers would advance to the Western Conference Final, but were unable to defeat the Houston Rockets, who advanced to the finals in five games. Um, uh, Elijah won and Ralph Sampson. That's exactly what it was. Uh, the Lakers melt the Celtics for the third time in the NBA final. We'll get too far ahead of ourselves. So, Bird was named the MVP of the 83-84 season with averages of 24-10-6. So, he averaged a double-double. That's pretty impressive. I think Larry Bird, you know, one of the things I first think about? Rebound. Yeah. Rebound machine. Great rebounder. Not the... Not because he jumped. I don't to think the, about the nice jump shot. I don't think about the layups. I don't think about getting physical for whatever reason. Me basketball up, savvy, think, yeah. IQ, Rebounds. anticipation. He wasn't, well, he wasn't a great leaper by any means. A positioning and uh, I love Larry Bird. Oh yeah, he could make the other four guys on the team almost. Four other birds out there. That's true. Yeah. You like doing this podcast? High IQ. Huh? Oh yeah. Yeah. Huh. Even when I put way too much notes in that we probably don't need. <laughs> hey, this is the first time you've ever had a copy of the notes. Yeah, it's it's a bunch of notes. Now, do you see what I go through every time? Um. Not all that's hand typed. Some of that is copy and pasted from the interwebs. Well, but about half of it's hand typed. It's a lot of research. Now you see what I'm doing when I'm up till one or two o'clock right. in the morning on weeknights when we got to be up at five the next morning. Uh, dedication, bro. <laughs> how, about, how about we just tell them it? Let's know. just. How about how about with this? Watch this. I'm gonna skip over all this. Because I think there's a breakdown in here somewhere. I put in. Uh, yeah. So, so folks, we're gonna we're gonna skip through some of this just because we're gonna be at this for a while yet, and uh, we're just gonna cover key stuff. Uh, the '86 Celtics are commonly ranked as one of the greatest basketball teams of all time, followed by the '87 Lakers as probably one of the greatest teams of all time. So, when you think about all-time great NBA teams. 86 Celtics come to mind, 87 Lakers. Unfortunately, they never met in the postseason, but in our world they do later on in the episode, which we'll get to that uh, just because we have fun. Kurt, we're going to skip ahead here. Some career playoff stats, guys. Yeah, we'll get to that. Like I said, guys, there's a lot of information. I basically break down their rivalry. I break down the entire season of every season of each of them until Bird's retirement in 92. Um 
and I just don't want to go because I didn't realize how much I put in there. I mean, so listeners want to know they got yeah. If you they hey, repar- yeah, hop in your Google machine. That you know that's gonna I, be I our- still do this to, to this day. I go back and watch old games uh, in the series of you know NBA World Series via. Uh, I think most of it get on YouTube, and uh, it never gets old watching some of the games. Yeah, so so basically we're going to skip, though. You should know that this was a back-and-forth pissing match every season. So now we're kind of going to start summarizing that and comparing stats. I skipped over a good bit of research. Uh, throughout the 80s, contests between the Celtics and Lakers, both during the regular and postseason, uh, attracted big-time TV audiences. That's why I said they saved the NBA. The first regular season game between the Celtics and the Lakers in the 87-88 season proved to be a classic with Magic banking in an off-balance shot from near the three-point line at the buzzer, which is uh, – you can find that clip on YouTube. You can find it anywhere. It's one of the greatest yeah. closing <laughs> moments to a, a pro game ever. Uh, at the buzzer, they would the Lakers would win 115-114 to 114 in the Boston Garden. Uh, you know, the, these, these teams the, – there was already a rivalry between these teams because – if you go back to the NBA in the 60s, the Lakers and the Celtics had already kind of met. So there was already a little bit of a rivalry there anyways. Uh, not since Bill Russell squared off against Wilt Chamberlain had professional basketball had such a marquee matchup that you would have with Bird versus Magic. Uh, Bird was a small-town hero. Blue-collar work yeah. ethic fit perfectly with the throwback, punchy-in-the-mouth yeah. style yeah. the Celtics had. Bastard. Yeah, the bastards. Bastard. While as Johnson was gregarious, uh, showboaty, flashy, the Lakers, Showtime Just Lakers. Showtime, yeah. Yep. Uh, and he fit in perfect in the bright light, big city atmosphere of Los Angeles. Uh, a 1980s Converse commercial for its weapon line of basketball shoes endorsed by both Bird and Magic reflected the perfect dichotomy between the two. In the commercial, Bird is practicing alone on a rural basketball court. And for those of you that don't know this, and this is a true story, in reality, this court was the one Bird had made on the property in French Lick he'd built for his mother. And if you... I've been past this place a dozen times. It's a fun thing to do. The house still stands to this day. The basketball court is still there. It's worth a drive. Um, I don't remember the address, so you're going to have to Google it. Uh, But it's worth a drive. But in the commercial, Bird's practicing on the court. Johnson pulls up in a sleek limousine, <laughs> challenges him yeah. to a one-on-one. Uh, but despite their intense rivalry, these two became friends off the court. Their friendship blossomed when they worked together to film the commercial, which depicted them as arch enemies. Uh, Magic appeared at Bird's retirement ceremony on February 4th in 1993 and described Bird as a friend forever. Um uh- the thing you had me watch here, you sent me. It was pretty cool about that, that time. There's where a his mom. There's a yeah. Bird's mom taking both in and and fed them both. Fed them both and made Gone sure home he, country yeah, cooking. Made sure that he had enough to eat. And Magic, his thoughts were, "Wow, you know, I mean." Uh, there's a 2010 HBO documentary called Magic versus Bird: The Courtship of Rivals. Uh. This thing set the sports world on fire when it came out Good 11 stuff. years ago. And uh, I've watched this thing numerous times, but I sent it to Kurt a couple weeks ago in preparation of this episode. 
and Kurt said he couldn't put it down. He watched the whole hour and a half clip right there. Like it, absolutely, it's yeah. a hell of a documentary. Yes. Uh, sports fan or not, I recommend you watch it. Uh, obviously, There's anybody that listens to a us, a couple good lessons fans. in there. There's oh, a couple yeah. good lessons in there. Yeah, for sure. They talk about Larry dealing with the loss of his father. Yep. His father tragically committed suicide. Yep. He'd served in the Korean War. Sure did. By the way, and, uh, and a lot of demons come with him, I guess. So, skipping ahead again here. Uh, here's some more stuff. Um, this just, again, uh, <coughs> Bird's 88-89 season ended after six games. Bone Spurs from... His heels, he had debilitating back problems. So, Bird's starting to wind down. So, um, of course, you know, the whole Dream Team, Magic and Bird's on there. Uh, and like I said, I, I, I was going to go through all this breakdown of season by season, but now we're just going to kind of skim over it. Uh, after a physical before the 1991-1992 NBA season, Johnson – would make the announcement he had tested positive for HIV. He held a press conference November 7, 1991, and made the public announcement that he would retire immediately. He stated that his wife, Cookie, and their unborn child did not have HIV and that he would dedicate his life to battle the disease. He initially said that he did not know how he contracted the disease, but he's not a drug user. Promiscuity. Uh, Magic liked to have sex, yeah. and a lot of it, and unprotected. And uh, there's rumors that he slept with thousands of women. And uh, when you're, I mean, I guess he was a, I mean, I guess that's not weird. I mean, he was a good, attractive looking dude. I mean, and when you're rich and famous. Yeah, the ladies. I, the, the, he was a lady killer. <laughs> yeah. So um, he admitted to having gourds of women. Uh oh. Yeah, Excuse probably me. about as many as I hated. At that time, though, <laughs> only a small percentage of HIV-positive American men had contracted it um, from heterosexual sex. That's neither here nor there. Uh, and that was when people had initially put out rumors that Johnson was living a secret life and was secretly <laughs> gay, and how dumb is that? I don't know. Uh Magic would, fun fact, Magic would later accuse Isaiah Thomas of spreading the rumors that claim that Isaiah Thomas has denied for years, saying he would never speak ill of Magic. But if you know Isaiah Thomas, while on the surface he seems like a nice guy, he's kind of a snake in the grass. But uh, Magic's HIV announcement was major news in the United shocked States. The world, yeah, man. it shocked the, the world. world. Uh, so much that in 2004, ESPN named it as the seventh most memorable moment of the previous 25 years. So. He retired. He retired. Uh, during his retirement, he was voted by fans as a starter for the 92 NBA All-Star Game. And his former teammate, Byron Scott and A.C. Green, said Johnson should not play. Several NBA players, including Utah Jazz forward Adam Sweet's favorite player, <laughs> Carl Malone, Malone, argued they would be at risk of contamination if Johnson suffered an open wound while on the court. 
fucking hate Carl Malone. Uh, Johnson led the West <laughs> to a 153-113 win and was crowned All-Star MVP after recording 29-9-5. The game ended after he made a last-minute three-pointer and players from both teams around the court to congratulate him. He was chosen to compete in the 92 Olympics. Um, can't get enough magic. Yeah, can't get enough magic. He received standing ovations from the crowd and used it as a moment to promote HIV-positive people. Uh, before the 92-93 season, he announced his intention to stage a comeback. He played it after practicing and playing in several preseason games, though he retired again before the start of the season citing controversy over his return sparked by opposition from several active players who shall remain nameless. However, in an August 2011 interview, so 10 years ago, Johnson said, looking back, he wished he had never retired after being diagnosed, saying, if I knew what I know now, I never would have retired, which in hindsight, (laughs) you know, they treated him like he was the walking fucking bubonic plague, and he wasn't. He was HIV positive, but... Little was known about that. And 92 and... You know, technology and science isn't what it is today. Right. I mean, so, um, so we're going to skip all this. You know, he created the whole charity game of Midsummer's Night Magic. Blah, 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 blah. And, uh, he attempted to come back as a player when he rejoined the Lakers in 95 and 96. He was 36 years old then. Uh, During his retirement, he began intense workouts to help him fight against the HIV. He raised his bench press significantly and increased his weight up to 255 pounds. Quite a a bit larger, yeah. Yes, very big. Uh, He officially returned to the team January 96, played his first game the following day against the Warriors. Coming off the bench, he had 19, 8, and 10. Uh, quarter triple double. You know, it's great. It's the comeback tour. Uh, he considered his final comeback success. He played well in 96, though he struggled off the court with mental health. Uh, Cedric Sabellis. Cedric Sabellis, yes. Was upset over his reduction in playing time when Johnson came back. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, Cedric, but... Uh, he missed two games and was stripped of his title as team captain. And the ugliest man in basketball history, according to Adam Sweet, Nick Van Axel, <laughs> received a seven-game suspension for bumping referee Ron Garrison during a game on April 9th. Johnson was publicly critical of Van Axel, saying his actions were inexcusable. Johnson himself was suspended five days later when he called... Or when he bumped referee Scott Foster. Uh, you know, they go on. The comeback tour is going good. It's And then they lose to the Houston Rockets in the first round of the playoffs. He expressed a desire to return for the 96-97 season. But after talking to fellow players in the league, he was against it. Saying, I'm going out on my terms. Something I couldn't say when I aborted a comeback in 92. So. The end of it. Yeah. End of an era. Uh, Bird was voted the NBA's 50th anniversary all-team in 96. He was inducted into the Smith Memorial Hall of Fame in 98. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame again in 2010 as a member of the Dream Team. 
In 99, he ranked 30 on ESPN Sports Century's list of 50 greatest athletes of the 20th century, which I think 30 is a little low. Yeah. Top 25 at least. At least. Uh, oh. Excuse me. God damn, I'm still working on that pizza stuff. Mm-hmm. He played both small forward and power forward positions. Universally recognized as an all-time great player, Bird was placed at the power forward position on NBA all-time starting five roster with Magic, Jordan, LeBron, and Kareem in 2020. So that was just last year. Uh, where do you think he was more effective at, uh, small forward or power forward? I think Larry Bird, I think small forward. Yes, I, I, I do too. Not I, saying he couldn't play power no, forward, no, and he, he did it well. Yes. But, but when I think of Larry Bird, I think of Larry Bird in the three spot. They had McHale. They had Parrish running the block. I mean, yeah. He was a small Your forward. Your front court set with yeah, him and McHale. That's a damn good front Parrish court. And then down there in the paint. Like, that's a damn good front court. All you need is a lights-out backcourt. I mean, well, and Danny that, That's what's strange was the Lakers had the lights-out backcourt. Back and the, the Celtics, Celtics had, had the front court. Yes. And it was a, a guard. Yeah. I mean, 6'9", plain point guard is a... Bird. That, that was just unheard of. <laughs> He's described as one of the greatest players and shooters of all time. He was selected to 12 NBA All-Star teams. He won three NBA championships, 81, 84, and 86. He won two NBA Finals MVPs. He won three consecutive regular season MVPs. And as of 2020, the only other players to accomplish this feat are Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain. Uh, if anybody wants to know how good a shooter he was, check out uh, the All-Star three-point contest. Oh, yeah. He still he wears his warm-up jacket. He told everybody who's going to beat him, and then he goes yeah. out and does it. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, well, that's pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah. You don't even take his warm-ups off. I think I even had that in the notes somewhere. Um, He's widely considered one of Red Arbach's favorite players. He considered Bird to be the greatest basketball player of all time. His humble roots were the source for his frequently used hick from French Lick monitor. <laughs> he's referred to as the Great White Hope, Larry Legend. He was well-known for his trash talk. Oh, yeah. Big time. <coughs> and back it up. Uh, and in 2019 NBA Awards, he received the Lifetime Achievement Award, award he shared with Magic Johnson. Huh. They The Celtics would later employ him in the front office from 92 until 97. In 97, he became the head coach of the Indiana Pacers. He said he'd be on a job for no more than three years. You know, they, the birth in the NBA Finals. Oh, Reggie Miller should yeah. got his ring. Yeah. Um, da, 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 da. We're just skipping. Then he goes from being a coach to executive of the year with the Pacers. Uh, in 2017, he stepped down as president of basketball rate uh, operations, but he stays with the team in the capacity. Uh, in 905 career NBA games, Magic Johnson totaled over 17,000 points. 6,500 rebounds, over 10,000 assists, translating to career averages of 19, 7, and 11. 
I don't know why I said that because I have that down here later on. Uh, Johnson introduced a fast-paced break style of basketball called Showtime. Oh, yeah. Described as a mix of no-look passes off the fast break, <laughs> pinpoint alley-oops from half court, which is... Both these guys' vision, court vision, was just off the charts. Hop on the Google machine. Yes. YouTube. All just kinds clips. Of all, just clips. All kinds of highlights. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you get the idea, then, for sure. Uh, he was named one of the 50 greatest players... Sports Center ranked him 17th when they ranked Bird 30th. Uh, 2006 ESPN.com rating him the greatest point guard of all time. It says, they said, uh, Bleacher Report said it could be argued he's the one player in NBA history who's more important than Michael Jordan. Da 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 da. -da. A lot of ball washing. All right, so, you know, since we skipped over half of each year breakdown, but that was, I mean, that's what we had to do, so. Um, we're going to get into starting breaking down some stats and some head-to-heads. And the meat and taters. Meat and taters. Uh, before we do that, let's uh, go ahead and get one more out here. You know we're going to have to save our girl for last. Oh, yeah. So we'll go ahead and uh, there's six. There used to be four for the longest time. Now there's six, and we already did two. So, All right, let's check out Main Street Designs LLC in Jasper, Indiana, a small business specializing in labor, laser engraving and direct garment printing. They do vinyl decals, baby blankets, and other personalized items for you or your business. Uh, message them. Check them out on Facebook. Give them a call at 812-661-7765. 812-661-7488. They are always willing to do things for you guys. They ship all over the country. Uh, they got a lot of great stuff. Oh, yeah. They've offered really to make us a logo. I've got to get with them. They're really good, I hear. Oh, yeah. I've, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I need to show you some of their stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. Ethan's over freaking out. Playing? Are you playing 2K? Yeah, he's definitely playing 2K. Main Street Designs LLC, everybody. He's getting a little excited. <laughs> okay, so, Kurt. You know, it's only like 10 no, o'clock. No. This episode's like, we're early tonight. So, field goal percentage. These are career averages. Bird, 49.6. Three-point percentage, 37.6. Free throws, 88.6. Rebounds, 10. Assists, 6.3. Steals, 1.7. Blocks, 0.8. Turnovers, 3.1. Averaging 24.3 points a game. It's rain. Is that rain? Yeah. It's picking up on the mic. Yeah, it is. Gotta love that Southern Indiana weather. Oh, yeah. Magic, on the other hand, was at 52, 30.3. Free throw percentage, 84.8. Bird shot better from the line. Oh, yeah. Career average. Yeah. Uh, Magic, obviously, higher with the assists, 11.2. Uh, Magic, slightly higher with the steals, 1.9. Lower with the blocks, 0. 0.4. Higher with the turnovers, 3.9. 
and averaged lower, only 19.5 points per game. That's that's surprising. I know both have respect you. Bird won three regular season MVPs, 83 to 84. <coughs> and... Well, hang on. No, I done fucked up. Bird won three regular season MVPs in 83 and 84. He was 24, 10, and 6. 84 to 85, he was 28, 10, and 6. And 85, 86, he was 25, 9, and 6. His best season in terms of player efficiency rating per was not any of those. It was the 87 to 88 campaign where he averaged 29, 9, and 6. Some guy named Michael Jordan <laughs> won it that year. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Magic also collected three MVP awards. 86 to 87, he was 29, 6, and 12. 88 and 89, he was 22, 7, and 12. And 89 and 90, he was 22, 6, and 11. Both players were named to 12 All-Star Games, nine All-NBA first teams, all nine <laughs> NBA second team, and Bird was a three-time All-Defensive second team member. What the hell did you say? Somebody, uh, I said that didn't count. I'm talking to him. That didn't count. Does he, he got his headphones on? I don't know. He does. Yeah, he does. He does. Playing online. Okay. You want to hear career playoff stats? Oh, yeah. Bird, 47.2 field goal percentage, 32.1 three-point percentage, 89.89% yeah. free throw. Damn, his three-point percentage was down, wasn't it? And 10.3 rebounds, 6.5 assists, 1.8 steals, averaging 23.8 points per game. Magic, on the other hand, in the playoffs was 50.6% from the field, 24.1 three-point percentage, 83.8 from the charity strike. Bird still shot better. Yeah. Bird was better at making free throws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A big guy. Magic was 7.7 .7 boards, 12.3 assists, averaging 19.5 points. Magic won five rings with the Lakers, 80, 82, 85, 87, and 88. It was named Finals MVP for three of those, 80, 82, and 87. Bird, on the other hand, would win three titles with the Celtics in 81, 84, and 86, earning MVP Finals in 84 and 86. Oh, let's see. Now, here they played against each other 17 times in the regular season. Stats from basketball reference, excuse me, were kind of skewered through the first two games, so I don't have all those. So for their 15 regular season matchups against each other head-to-head -head during the regular season, Bird shot 50% from the field while Magic shot 49.7. Bird shot almost 53%. Holy shit. What? 52% from the three-point line. That's... Yeah. Wow. Bird shot 52.9. So basically, Bird shot 53% from the three point yeah. line, while Magic shot 35.3. Bird shot 82.2 from the charity stripe. Magic shot 86.6. That's wow. it's, it's a little switched around. Uh -huh. Bird would get 11.5 boards. Magic would get 6.7. Bird chuck up 6.5 assists. Magic would get 12.7. Bird would average just under two steals. Magic would average two, two and a half. Yeah. 
Bird would average out 23.3 points. Magic would average out 20.4. In those head-to-head regular season magic uh, matchups, Magic Lakers went 11-7. and seven. Now, they met three times in the postseason. So their head-to-head playoff stats against each other. Bird would shoot 46% from the field. Magic would be at 53.3. Bird would shoot 47.8 from a three-point stripe, so down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but still. But Magic would only hit 40%. Bird would still get him again on the boards. Bird was a free-throw sinking machine. And a board machine, yes. 86.4 to Magic's 83.8. Bird would grab just just over 11 boards. Magic would grab seven seven and a half. Magic, though, 13 and a half dishes. That's impressive. That's damn impressive. That's that's. That's and look, it look, yeah, damn and look at the turnover, three point four. So that's what two to one, definitely. Yeah, two to one. And that's what you about uh, want. And then of course, um, twenty five and three average in the head to head against each other in the postseason for Bird and Magic would average twenty point seven points. <coughs> in eighty four, the Celtics prevailed in seven games. Bird put up. 27 points on 48% shooting to go with 14 rebounds and three assists. Um, in the losing effort, Magic would go put up 18 on 56% shooting with 13 assists. The Lakers got the revenge the following year uh, with the series going seven games. Magic averaged 18 and 14 and six. In the must win game six, he came through at 26 points on 11 of 20 shooting. In the 87 finals rubber match, the Lakers won six games. Magic was unreal, averaging 26.2 points on 54% shooting. 13 assists, 8 rebounds, while Bird averaged 24.2. So there you have it. There's the comparisons, the head-to-head. You've heard all the evidence. You've got the stats to kind of formulate your opinion. Yes, we kind of cheated you guys. We... After looking at all the fucking research I did, we did not go every year breakdown, um, which you can always get this. Um, you can always get that information online, obviously. Uh, but now there's a few more notes I've, I've put into this thing. Um, we got a little bit to go, Kurt, here, about five yeah. or six pages. Uh, while, while working on this project over the course of the last three weeks, I found some stuff out that I wanted to... Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Let's go over it. So, like I said earlier, they first got linked as rivals um, when Michigan State beat Indiana State. Um, the rivalry continued to the NBA. Johnson would later make public that the 82 regular game season was compromised of 80 games and then the two against Bird. He would often call to it as the other 80. All he was focused on was the two games with Bird. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of uh, respect amongst each other there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and like I said, I put down in here basically just saying what we've been saying the whole episode. Uh, the reason this thing drew so much money in, in ratings was it was the clash between white collar and blue collar flashiness and blue collar grit. Um, the thing, it, what it did for the ratings. Um, you know, and I put in here again about the commercial and the the documentary, of course, we've touched on. Um, 
the 79 title game has importance because, oh, yeah. you know, I, and like I have to keep touching that. Was the only thing that changed was Bird traded in his blue jersey for Celtics green and Mac, Magic went from Spartan green to Laker yellow and purple. Um, the Indian, and, and what's also funny about this rivalry, and I put right here in the notes, is the NBA's always kind of been about one-on-one. Yeah. And while they didn't really guard each other that much because right. of the difference of positions, it was just – it was funny the way they, they battled for dominance, you know. And They always seemed to find each other on the court, They too. did. They did. Yeah. They really did. That's um, like a, some magnet, mag, magnetism or something. That it, <laughs> and while there was just this absolute disdain for each other on the court, yes. at the end of the day, they both had each other's respect. Uh Let's see what else we got here. Um, neither player ever considered being traded. Um, that would have sent shockwaves through the league. They oh, were, yeah. They were the franchise. They were both where they were supposed to be. Uh, Quinn Buckner, uh, who played for the Celtics and the Bucks, I do believe, and he was the commentator for the Pacers, said, I don't believe in conspiracy theories, but – Magic going to the Lakers and Bird going to the Celtics was the best two places that they could ever go. Uh, when Magic got to L.A., he changed the dynamic of the team. When Larry got to, he did the same thing. Yep. Um, let's see here. I got a lot of just kind of tie-up pieces. Uh, in December of 2019 on NBA.com, Steve Ashburner would write the following – Neither claims the credit that is often proffered for saving the NBA. What they will accept, though, is how popular they made the NBA for stars to pass, setting up teammates rather than looking for their own points, and how pure their competition was. Laser focused on each other repeatedly on the league's biggest stage. Um, the turnaround wasn't overnight, though. You know, it took these guys battling hard for a couple of years to really get things to change uh of course we'll talk about the tape delay we've talked about that a million times how they've changed that the sneaker commercial uh okay so here's what i was talking about earlier uh it's argued by many for a long time that the 86 celtics were one of the top 10 teams of all time. Many have even said top five or better. The same thing can be said for the 87 Lakers. The dream matchup here would be the 86 Celtics versus the 87 Lakers. Um, obviously, we couldn't have that happen, but in August of 2011, uh, an article on Bleacher Report, Rich Fernandez basically summarized the 86 Celtics and the 87 Lakers meeting each other in the NBA Finals. Um, him and his co-writer went back and forth on who would win the rivalry, who would win that game. One writer said basically, uh, let's see here. So Rich would say that... Um, the Celtics finished first in defensive ratings compared to the Lakers, who finished seventh. This would be a slugfest to the bitter end in a series that most people only wish could have happened. Both teams are excellent defenders, but the Celtics were better. Boston wins hands down. 
Well, then his uh, and, and by the way, you can find this article on Bleacher Report. I, I copied the whole article. Again, shout out to me for the oh, research. Yeah, yeah. He's but, uh, your balls I can't deep, go. Man. I can't go through all that. Um, basically, you can you can look that up. Uh, Rich Fernandez. It's an August 2011 article on Bleacher Report. 86 Celtics versus 87 Lakers. Uh, his co-writer basically said. Um, he's given advantage to the Lakers on everything um, position-wise except for small forward, which he gives to, obviously, Bird. Uh, and then bench port, bench points and who got the better bench. And basically, he gives it to uh, saying the Lakers would, in, would win in six games. It's not even a question. So... I'm going to ask you guys. I'm going to give you guys a little homework here, this, the few fans that we have. So you go read this article, or you just go watch clips, or you read stats or articles, 86 Celtics, 87 Lakers, two of the top ten greatest teams in NBA history. Who wins? If these two teams would have met, it's funny because it's basically two legends and some tremendous supporting cast. No right. offense to, to Worthy. Or Cooper, right. or you know, Parrish, McHale. It, it's Bird versus Magic. Magic yeah. Um, at the end of the day. And I hate to say this because I Kurt laughed at this at this wordplay. <laughs> I came out of the closet this year, <laughs> publicly acknowledging myself as a Lakers fan. And you know, because because I've always got asked about it, and I would deny it. But I mean, fuck it, I own it now. I'm a Lakers fan. Uh. But the 86 Celtics trumped the 87 Lakers, hands down. The front line was yeah, uh, dominating. I feel kind of bad. They had rim protectors. I mean, they had... I feel kind of bad because we're two hours into this episode, and uh, it's going to be a shorter episode, which is okay. I mean, we might do a bonus one. We might sit here and play NBA games all night. It's only 1030. Kurt ain't kicking me out. But yeah. I did all this research, and we... We only used about well, half I mean, of it, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's here if we felt those we yeah. needed to. Well, and that's why I always put it in there. I mean, and like you say, in today's internet age, people can go find yes, this shit themselves. Man. But not calling our fans. Listen, Kurt, I'm going to cover the mic so they can't hear me. <laughs> in this day, most people are lazy, so they want the information given to them, so they yeah. don't have to. Not you guys, though. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. I mean, a you know, one day last week we had a 17-day stream, or 17-day. I don't know how I'm sorry. We had 17 downloads last week. When I mean, we only got like 15 episodes all together, everything up there. We had a 17-episode day. That's a good day, you know. It's just random. Every once in a while we get all these right. random bursts of... Uh, uh, where is it from, you know? The analytics has not been working lately. They're all U.S.-based. Huh? But they're not showing up what states right now. And it just says data unknown, but it, it does highlight it as the U.S. We did get a couple pulls out in California last week, so. California. The city of angels, Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay, so. I don't think they're getting cheated, though. We ain't cheating. No. But I was really proud of my research on this episode, and uh, impressive. I mean, literally, as I was looking through it, you've got every season matchup. 
every uh, head-to-head, head-to-head, regular and post. Regular I've got post. a breakdown of each player's every season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one was a lot of fun. I, plus, I had three weeks to prepare for this, you know, because then we we couldn't get together last week, so right. then I had an extra week, so then I went back and repolished it Well, and probably added another two or three pages. Well, who do, who do, you, who do you pick between the two? I mean, You're asking me as a Lakers fan who I pick. Well, right, yeah, I mean, Larry Bird. And I'm a, and I'm a. I came out of the closet, folks. He's a Lakers I came, fan. I came out of the closet. Kurt, Kurt's accused me. My best friend Jeremy's accused me, and I finally came out of the closet this year as a Lakers fan. But yeah, I have to agree. I, I got to go, Bird. Yeah, me too. And, I, and I'm a, and I'm a. I mean, I don't know. A couple weeks ago, you asked I'm me not this. Not a Lakers fan, by the way. A couple weeks ago, you asked me this, and I think I picked Magic. But as I went back and I watched film and I and I did my research for the last three weeks, I kind of come back around on Bird. Yeah. There'll never be another. No, there never will. I mean, okay, all right. Let's uh, let's shift gears here. Let's let's uh, let's do a word association. Okay. Right on. Now remember. That's pretty cool. Simultaneous. Simultaneous. all right? So, it doesn't have to be one word. It's just right. the first thing that comes to mind. If it's a sentence. So, let's do a little word association. Kirk Kelly. Magic Johnson. Showtime. Larry Bird. Legend. Celtics-Lakers rivalry. <laughs> Legendary. The NBA before Bird and Magic. <laughs> What the fuck was that? Is that the NBA shit in the bed? Is that what that was? That's what it, yeah. (laughs) You know what? NBA before Magic vs. Bird. Um, Oh my God. Big Raspberry. It was not good. Wow. I mean, they were literally tape delaying the NBA finals. That says it all. What about the NBA ratings after Magic and Bird? Through the roof. Okay. I don't know why I put this in here, but fuck it. This is, what about the Magic versus Bird rivalry itself? Oh, dynamic. Dynamic. Larry Bird's legacy. Lasting, everlasting. That's a good one, bro. That's 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 a good one. I mean, it is. <laughs> Thank you. Irvin Magic Johnson Jr.'s legacy. It's the same. I mean, will there ever be another Magic? No. No. One team in each of the finals for the whole decade. Impressive. That's Impressive. Di- that's a dynasty. Basketball since they retired. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I, I can't say that. It's not been as interesting. It's not been as interesting, though. I mean, we had Michael, and you know, and then you had the Spurs that were great for a while. Uh, I was, I was, I like the Spurs, by the way. I mean, I like Greg Popovich. They did some good things. Here you go. Here's a word association. What if these two never existed? I'm sad. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's part of, especially I, I would have been a young teenager at, at this time when there was rivalry was big. I mean, it had a lot of impression on me. You're se- you were a 71 baby, right? Yeah. You 50-year-old fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am a 50-year-old fuck. Damn it. I, I don't I don't feel 50 though I feel like 60 yeah no well guys uh, gonna wrap it up here and it's so early we're not used to finishing this early so now we gotta figure out what we do after the recorder goes off but uh we're gonna get ready to pick an episode here but before I do I wanna thank all of our all of my sources for this episode oh, yeah. And, and it's a laundry list. I'd like to thank Sports Illustrated, Sports Track, Clutch Points, NBA.com, Washington Post, Heavy.com, SportsCasting.com, Belly Up Sports, NBC Sports, CBS Sports, Bleacher Report, Wikipedia, the LA Times, the New York Times, ESPN, SB Nation, Basketball Reference, CBS News, USA Today, and TMZ. Right on. And like I said, everything in this is to our knowledge factual if there's anything incorrect or please let us know we yeah. would love feedback and for all of those that don't know i mean go like i said go out and check out some of the yeah YouTube. and i'm not really robbing you guys i joked i all what i just skipped over was basically and you, and, can, and you can decide for yourselves yeah. with listeners who you know bird or magic Bas- basically what i did was i summarized every season of their career going back and forth between the two you know, here was Magic's 81 and 82. Here was Bur- I just summarized in three or four paragraphs the entire season. And it was mostly more about their stats and what was going on with the team. Basically, I didn't really rob you out of anything. You should know that they always went to the postseason, and yeah. one of these teams was always in the finals for yeah. the fucking 80s. I mean, and it, it, it was they just dominated, that. dominated, yes. Dominated. So, I mean, I did a lot of work for nothing, but I'm glad I put it in there because, fuck, maybe we would have used it. I don't know. And then I got to look, and I'm like, damn, Kurt, I don't want to read all this. <laughs> that, so, and that's literally what it was, folks. I mean, there's a lot so, of pages here. So what happened when I when I handed you these papers, I printed off and said, here's your homework. And after well, you left and you said First thing I thought was, fuck, this is heavy. <laughs> 16,999 words across 29 pages. The second thing I thought was it's not going to fit in this here. <laughs> it probably it, did. It barely it. fits in it, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, holy crap. But, I mean, there's a lot to, there's a lot to look at when you talk bird and magic. It's a robbery. Oh, yeah. It, it, it is. It is. I, so, well, here, here's where I am. I was born in 87. So obviously, I can remember pro rep. I don't have any memories of Bird vs. Magic. This was all through me growing up a sports kid and seeing clips on ESPN. And then when I got old enough to figure out the internet in the late '90s and early 2000s, and, so, and, and you yourself yeah. had, to go, had to go watch oh, yeah. clips to get a sense of it, right? The '86 Celtics team. <laughs> I'm gonna put as one of the top three best teams I've oh, ever yeah. seen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, what a front line. And then off the bench, they had Bill Walton. Oh, he's in a later stage of his career, but he's still a damn good defender, rebounder. I mean, he basically had six fouls to give, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And if you come in the paint, well, that's what was coming. 
I mean, they, they was kind of an enforcer, that team was. That front line was pretty good, man. You know what I was just thinking about? You know how I'm always dry humping Bill and beer. Yeah. And see, Larry, <laughs> you got a fascination with Bill anyway. Just Bill's Bill was a man's man. Bill yeah. was a ball player's ball player. He was, a and he tough would get under bitch. your skin. He wasn't afraid to make racial slights against people, whatever he could on the court. And yet, Bird, who was a shit starter himself, <laughs> yes. Lambeer would drive Bird absolutely yeah. nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And for Bird, it's it was kind of funny. It was Larry getting a taste of his own medicine because yeah. usually he's the guy doing and it. And Bird did a lot of trash talking and backed it up too. But Bill and Beer would make dudes cry. Yeah, yeah, there were no limits from Bill Lambeer. Uh, he would make a cry by through words or action, like elbow to oh, the side of the head. Son. So. Here's the famous list. It's finally made its way back. I lost it for a couple weeks. I told Kurt. I found it. It was stashed in my uh, wrestling collection bag I brought over for a wrestling episode. That was a fun episode, too. So I can cross off episode eight, which is Magic versus Bird. Would you like to know, and as I always say, we're not going to do all these, and even if we do, they're not in order. Would you like to know how many episodes is on the list now? Yeah. Ninety. 90. 90 across three and three quarter pages. There's a lot to talk about in sports. <laughs> <laughs> these, and these are all sports. This is nothing from the bonus side or the steel toe side of things. These are right. all just That's right. scoreboards. 90% sports? Yeah. 10% steel toe. Uh, and before we, we get into that and we close up shop, and it's early, dude. I don't know what we're going to do. Eat some pizza. Oh wait, we got ice cream. Yeah, there you go. Okay, let's 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 shout out our girl. Oh yeah. Okay, so it's uh it's getting that time. Getting, I mean, we're two months away from Christmas now. Already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's that time of year. So check out Nana's Aromas LLC on Facebook, uh, or check her out at nanasaromas.com. She's located in beautiful Palmyra, Palmyra, Indiana, Harrison County. Yeah, I know where that's at, beautiful. like the back of my hand. Uh. Right now, she's our store's closed for the next couple weeks. Uh, for those of you that are familiar with this area, this is the two-weekend festival up around Louisville and Jeffersonville and Clarksville and New Albany, the Harvest Homecoming. So her store is closed right now in person. She is doing online orders, though. She ships all over the country. Um, give her a call at 812-972-3670. Uh, candles, air fresheners, warmers, uh, everything. She makes every batch in small quantities, better for quality control. She hand makes everything, hand wicks everything, even makes her own labels. Everything start to finish is from our girl. We love her. Uh, She sent us that awesome candle. It smells so... I was... Dude, I was walking around the kitchen smelling the candle the other day, just sniffing it. Blueberry cheesecake. Nana, we love you. You're a favorite girl. So check out Nana's Aromas LLC, guys. Give this woman some money. Single income. Um, she's a great woman. We love her. And, uh, yeah, Nana's Aromas LLC. Okay. So that was a fun episode. Oh, yeah. Good episode. So right? we're ready to tie a bow in it. And uh, there's something else I want to mention. So we, we had a big week. I'd said with the sponsors. We also have a new equipment mod now that I've been wanting to get for a while. Oh, yeah. 
$50 equipment mod. What this is, it's a, it's a BTA2 adapter, which plugs right over here, if you can see, on these two little holes on the thing here. All right. And it'll Bluetooth to my phone. That's pretty cool. So we can actually have guests now. What, yes. what it'll do is I'll switch the mic input three over here out to a phone, and they can call, and they'll put a set of earbuds in, and they can hear us, and we can hear them, and I can control their mic and their volume and That's everything. That's pretty cool. And uh, that'll come in handy this winter when you're snowed in yeah, and iced in yeah. out here and I can't make it to you. Yeah. I'll just call you, plug it right in. Bam. I'll control. Yeah, bam. There we go. There we go. No missing episodes. Take that, Mother Nature. That's <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kurt. So what do you want to talk about next week? Oh. Uh, or you want me to give you some ideas? Yeah, give me some ideas. And then uh, how, about I, how about I let you pick it? So we crossed off magic versus bird, putting a bow on it. So, we're in the, we're deep into uh, we're deep into baseball season right now. I know, I know, I know. People love when we do World Series episodes too. Which we just did one like three or four episodes ago. I know, but it's it's baseball season. It's baseball season. Well, hang on. And this here. is this is going to be a crazy playoffs. I got a feeling. A lot of good teams. A lot of good teams. Yep. Yeah, uh, some uh, teams playing really good baseball right now. Here's what I'm going to do. Let me uh, scroll down here. I'm going to pick four episodes, and I'm going to type them out on the computer so I can repeat them back to you because you're forgetful as shit. <laughs> so, here, here, well, five. Here's our five episodes. We can do... Um, what was the first one again? <laughs> I don't know. This is always fun. Um, let's do the 2004 ACLS Yankees Red Sox. Four days in October. So epic. Yeah, there's that one. 2004 ALCS. Boo Yankees. <laughs> Um, go Dodgers. <laughs> He's like, go Dodgers. <laughs> Jack versus yeah. Arnie. That one would be fun. Yeah, for sure. So, or four. We've only done one golf episode. That was a good episode, by that the way. Was, that yeah. was. That was. That was the night we came off that episode so high on the fucking success of it, or I thought success, yeah, and we that decided was good. to do a bonus episode. Um, it's so hard to pick these. There's a lot of good. I have a I, dude. You looked at the list at my desk the other day. Yeah, there's a lot of good topics there. Um, my beard keeps hitting the mic. Hey. You know, you can do something about that beard. Check out Beauty and the Beard, beard. Co. You can use our discount code that they gave for our listeners. Steel Toes 15. Well, get what, yourself a discount you, at checkout. What do you recommend I need done there? Uh, just get a nice oil and beard kit there. You know, just kind of oil take it up make, and make it. Take some of that gray out or leave, you, leave I don't it gray. think they have any of that, but by God, oh, maybe, let me contact uh, there you, there you Hair go. Club for Men and uh, <laughs> or whatever the fuck it is, you know. I've still got plenty of hair on my head. <laughs> 
I'm sitting here trying to pick episodes, and you're talking about your beard, and now I'm just well, thinking about your hair rubbing. It's the getting a little woolly, but it's getting it's starting to get cold, you know. Well, you got to let it grow then. Oh, I'm letting it grow, yeah. Okay. The beard is back. Let's top. I don't want to look like Ron Jeremy. Wide receivers. Ron Jeremy. <laughs> okay, so we're going to stop. So, so we're trying to finish this episode out, as we always do, by picking the next topic. So, Kurt, um, I had been there maybe six months, maybe. So you're looking at like uh, late June, early July last year. Kirk comes in one day and he's like almost baby faced. <laughs> he's got this really thin mustache. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and he goes, what? You don't like it? And I'm like, no, I didn't say that, Ron Jeremy. <laughs> and he just looked at me and I said, Kirk. Why? And t- tell him, tell him what happened. Tell him what you fell victim to. Oh, a uh, prank. Uh, my buddy Doyle <laughs> played a prank on me and said that you could, COVID stays in your beard and facial hair. <laughs> so, so yeah, I commenced to uh, shaving my beard off. And, yeah, he looked that's pretty like good stuff. Ron Jeremy. I'm not even joking. That's pretty good stuff there. Picking on the old man. It looked looked so bad. It did look pretty bad. Oh, God, it looked terrible. Yeah. Okay, back to to business here. (laughs) Damn you, Doyle. (laughs) Doyle, I I, I literally had over a year's worth of growth, I'm pretty sure, on my face, but oh, well. Oh, I, I don't know when to take you serious or not, though. I do that, too. You guys, the scene, the way you guys go back and forth. Damn it, I'm trying to focus here, kids. These damn kids. Well, the virus is transmissible through everything, though. We can't talk about Rona on the podcast. People listen to the podcast to escape the Rona. Actually, people listen to us just to go to sleep. <laughs> There's no escaping the Rona. It's everywhere. The the Rona's everywhere? Yeah, our chances are very slim. Well, that's great. I'm vaxxed. I don't care. I'm fully vaxxed. My Corona. You did not just say my Corona. My Corona. Thanks, Kurt. Now I'm doing it, too. Sorry. So we got baseball. We got Okay, Kurt, so here we go. So, out of 90 episodes, I've chosen four. Oh, you've I've chosen five. five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, so here, here's where we're at, Kurt. And uh, so, the schedule with, you know, everything freeing up and everything. So, we're going to record again a week from tonight, next okay. Saturday night. So, I've got to have a quick turnaround, start putting together research. So, I just need you to give me the topic. So, here we go. Here's our five topics you can choose from. Jack versus Arnie. Top 10 college basketball coaches of all time. Top 10 wide receivers of all time. The Islanders win four straight cups. Damn, I picked that one a lot. I don't know why. Apparently, I want to cover it. Or the 2004 ALCS Yankees Red Sox. Four days in October. I'm forgetful. What was number one? 
Oh, I know. Jack Arney. You pick it. So you got the 2004 ALCS, Islanders winning four straight cups, Jack versus Arney, top ten wide receivers of all time, or the top ten college basketball coaches of all Man, time. Man, part of me wants to say top ten college basketball coaches. Hey, bud. This is your due. You pick. You pick, um, and I do notes. Whichever one you want. That there be... Oh, I'd have fun with it. I'd have to, I'd have to, you know. It would be more opinion. It's between that and 2004 right now, I think, for me. There you go. Okay, heads. Heads, ALCS. Okay. Tails, college coaches. You call it here. Okay. Heads. It's heads. 2004 ALCS. There it is. There you go. Four days in October. Uh, Epic. An epic collapse for epic the Yankees. Collapse, yeah. Well, yeah. Wow. I would have been a. I would have been a sophomore in high school. I'd have been a spring chicken then. Yeah. Yes, seventy-one, two thousand-one. You'd have been twenty. Hell, you'd have been twenty-three years old. Right? Seventy. Uh, no, yeah. No, no thirty-three. 33. Yeah. 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 In the prime of my that's, career. That's, that's like a year younger than I am now. Yeah. In the prime of your career. Where were you prim- working at when you were 33? Uh, I just had... Well, I don't think I was working at the time. I think I was incarcerated. Incarcerated? Yeah. Save that for the bonus episode later. Sorry, man. All right, guys. So that's going to wrap up this episode at least. <laughs> um... Magic versus Bird. Kurt, you have any final thoughts? Go Bird. Anything you want to say? Uh, I'm not a Lakers fan. <laughs> Man. Doll, you got anything you want to say to everybody? Uh, no. Brothels? Anything? <laughs> you, you like brothels? I think Dole's going to win the lottery one day and open a brothel. <laughs> Run one right here in Martin County. Possible. Or, or Davis County. Sorry. This is Martin County. No. <laughs> down the road, right down the road uh, where I used to live is Martin County, right past that place. Well, I never see no county changing signs. Well, we're poor. That is a good point. There is none. We are in southeastern Davis County. Okay. Well, now, now you got me doing it. Yeah. <laughs> 2004. Wait, we got to have some like outro music for the show. I wasn't I was I was not prepared for this. Do what do you what do we want to go out with? Yeah. Or do I just want to pick Good night something? the party's over. No. Oh. We need something like uh Turn out the light. The party's over. Do you want to hear that song I was playing? Yeah. Well, so this is how we're gonna end the show. So we do not own the rights to this content for the love of God. So do you want to see our new ad read song? So yeah. th- this is what it was. Alright, folks. So for Kirk Kelly, Jared Atkins, I'll let you hear a little bit of this. It's called Glitter and Gold. I'm flesh and I am bone rise up ting ting like glitter and gold. I got fire in my soul rise up ting ting like glitter. 
that's what that was what was playing in that arena. I isolated all the audio, extrapolated, I should say. So who is it again? It's by Barnes Courtney. I've heard it before. I don't remember where I found it at. It was buried in the deep part of my uh, playlist, so it means that's been in there for a couple of years. Quite the depth of music there. Kind of outlawed yeah, southern gothic kind of country. A little bit of metal. All right, guys. So we will see you next week, 2004. ALCS. Go Sox. Hey, that's right. Peace. Peace.